In the episode you're about to listen to, there's a couple quality issues that I want to address in advance. First off, I went analog. I got a hardware mixer and an analog mic, and it has an equalizer. And I went ahead and tried to do the bass boost in hardware, and I went overboard. So, sorry about that. Secondly, Wesley and Sam had the bright idea of doing their end of the recording from a bar. Bars are noisy. They went. It was, it was early in the day, so it wasn't too bad at first, but as the recording progressed, it got louder and louder. I did my best to clean it up, but just didn't, just couldn't do all that much. We won't be letting that happen again, and I kind of wish they would have told me in advance, but, well, they didn't. So, after the intro, here is Atheist Nomads, episode 13. <laughs> We are the Atheist Nomads, bringing you history, science, politics, religion, and interviews with leaders in the atheist community. Not all those who wander are lost. Welcome to Atheist Nomads, episode 13, Luck Has Nothing to Do With It. I'm Dustin, and joining me as always is Wesley. Wesley, say hello. Hello, how are you? And we have a special guest today, Sam Mulvey from Ask an Atheist. Sam, welcome yo, yo, to Atheist hey. Nomads. Hi, thank you. So, it's been a few weeks since uh, since we recorded an episode, and Wesley, anything new going on for you? Well, I'd like to say that I actually worked at work today, or any time during the last couple of weeks, but no, not, not really. Enforced <laughs> uh, vacation? Or? No, no, I just sit on my ass and surf Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll do your job. Yeah. <laughs> You're paying for his job, Sam. This is true. I am a government employee. No, no, actually, I'm not paying for his job. If I'm being oh, right okay. honest, <laughs> I'm I'm one of those forty-seven percent or wherever the hell I mm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, on the other hand, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll warn her. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Single middle class, you get raped in taxes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I get raped in taxes. Just wait until Brother Mitt gets in the office, and then it'll get even better. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't make enough for that to for him to help me. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a yacht in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He he loves everybody as long as you're like trimming his hedges and shit. Dang, <laughs> <Hey>, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's talking about stuff I can't say on on my show, man. Dude. Yeah, we're not on the radio, Sam. This is internet oh, right. only. This is even in iTunes went with an explicit rating. That's that's right. So, so I can, can fucking act. Well, shit. Yes, See, there you go. Yes, that felt so good. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thanks. Oh man. Yeah, it's, this is good. This will turn into another drunk episode. Well, <laughs> we're at a bar or a tasting room, if we're being honest. I, um, we're at Salmon Brewery in Paulsville, Washington. Yes. Home of some awesome, tasty, delectable beers. This, uh, I'm drinking, what is this? Was this a Belgian Imperial Stout? Yes. Weighing Ooh. it at 9.9 uh, with a line over it. Percent. Um, dang. Yeah, so it's, this is some strong and good stuff. So. God damn, that sounds quite tasty. Yeah. If light passes through it, it's not my kind of beer. So. <laughs> yeah, well, man, you, you're, you're going to have to try the, the moat in a little bit. Or, excuse me. Jen, is the moat out yet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, well, I'll have to come back. <laughs> yes, but the yeah. monks is damn tasty, too. Cool. 
that's that's another nine point nine ish. Man, which is which is probably more closer to twelve. That's making my beer feel kind of light and weak. Drinking a good old standby, Black Butte Porter. You know, that's one of my go-to's too, man. That don't don't knock it. It is a <laughs> it is a good beer, it's especially good on tap. Yes, so. yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so been, do we still have one viewer? Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. Yeah, we're doing this in front of an, um, a live audience. What is the singular of audience? <laughs> I think an audience. An audience. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, oh. person. <laughs> oh, yeah, It's been an insane couple weeks for me. It's been uh, three weeks since we recorded an episode, in which time I did the uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Light the Night with the uh, Treasure Valley Coalition of Reason Foundation Beyond Belief team. Well this, done. This morning, I did the uh, National Hemophilia Society Idaho Hemophilia Walk on my company's wow. team, and a couple weeks ago, I officiated a wedding. Hey! Yeah. Way. <laughs> Welcome to the club, sir. <laughs> what was uh? What was uh? What was the circumstances for your uh? Again, I'm reaching for a word. Officiation. What was, or rather, what was the circumstances under which you officiated the wedding? Well, I have an online Some ordination. Awesome. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let me guess. Got that part. Universal Life Church. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Do you have one of those? Oh yeah, I got it in '96. Oh wow, I got mine in what 2009. Drinking a beer, watching Futurama on TV. <laughs> I was bored. It was like, you know what? I studied that shit for five years. I might as well get an ordination. <laughs> Doing it online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, was but, it just a couple atheist pals, or what uh, was no? It was it was somebody who is is not religious. Uh, mm. he, he doesn't consider himself an atheist by any means, but he's definitely part of that 30% now that are, are nuns. Yeah, the nuns, yeah. Yeah. Not so, atheist, but spiritual. Yep. So, you know, he didn't want to have a religious service, and, and neither did his, his now wife. And so they, they recruited me for it, and it mm. was absolutely awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. They were all happy with it. By the, by the end, I actually had somebody about ready to put me on retainer. So you've got some, you said you've got some religious training, and actually, no, now that I'm remembering the show I'm on, yes, you do. So that, <laughs> that makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, in my case, uh, it was friends of mine, uh, very close friends of mine, like near, like family friends, um, one of whom was Mormon, and the other one is uh, sort of a Buddhism-influenced pagan, new-agey kind of guy, uh, who I did a lot of martial arts stuff with back in the day, and... Um, uh, they figured if there was anybody in the world who could officiate the wedding and wouldn't care about it, it would be the atheist. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's 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 how I got involved. And I, I did a, you know, I, I actually got, I went to the uh, the the Catholic supply store and got the uh, the clerical collar, which I still, uh, well, I which I will wear on Halloween or whatever the whatever occasion acquires. Because honestly, I can totally rock that one. <laughs> You've got too much facial hair for a Catholic. Um. Catholic priests are, are not supposed to have any facial hair. It's Orthodox priests that are supposed to have the full beard. Right. That caused the, the great schism between them. That, it was serious. it was literally the facial hair. It wasn't well, the, no, uh, it was papal authority. Like, but yeah, papal authority. But, uh, and, uh, facial hair is a little funnier. Yeah, I, I've met a couple with some facial hair, but not not like what I got. Yeah, that's true. Well, you don't really have facial hair. I've got more than than it looks like. I just you know my entire beard is either blonde or transparent or gray. So I could start dying, dying it, but that would be work. <laughs> you know, that would be effort. And the whole reason I grew a beard in the first place was no effort. So hmm. <laughs> that's not a bad reason. I've, I'm actually thinking about growing one out again. Unfortunately, I have to wait till after Halloween. 
Nah, I've gotten yeah. grouped into a uh, group costume, and I have no idea what the character actually is. I've even well, well what, what's the group? Uh, I'm I'm just gonna leave it all silent. Um, I'm not going into it <laughs> oh, <laughs> until oh. I know what it is. <laughs> can I have a Can I have a uh, a ballpark? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah, yeah. Never what? seen no. it. So I guess we're we're gonna be going to, to an actual show <laughs> in Super costume gym. and. They want me to be Rocky, and I have no idea what that means. I I met my oh god, do I even get into this? Uh, yeah, I, I met my first wife at Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a No, no joke. Um, uh, you'll have a good time. Uh, what? Who? Who are you? What? Oh, repeat that. Uh, who are you? Who are you dressing up as? They they want me to be Rocky. Oh, cool. You'll have a good time. And Wesley, that's not where the picture goes. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Actually, it's well-framed. I mean, it's not blocking. Not too also. bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wesley, move a little bit to... Uh, yeah, right over there. Perfect. Logo! <laughs> for, for those of you listening uh, to the, the, the edited audience. version... Uh, the audience. We're doing this live on Google Hangouts on Air. <laughs> So we're going to try... So I'm, I'm doing a lower third, like he is. Or not. It's <laughs> not lower third, dude. Yeah, yeah, well, there's the lower good. third, plus there's also the, the, the giant overlay. Wait, we're on Google Plus. We are. This is the first time I've been on Google Plus in any capacity ever. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, Google scares me, I'll be honest. I love Google. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, well look, you like the, the fact that they know everything about you, including what you ate last and any medications you might be on? <laughs> <laughs> I can live with that. Okay, because a lot of people uh, give Apple some shit for uh, for being evil, but um, I don't know. I think Google's in my first place for uh, potential evil right now in the tech industry. Now, Apple's like a very close second, and they, they sort of dance around first and second place. And I say this as a Mac user, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, Google kind of frightens me, mm. so... I don't know. So far, I, I kind of trust them to their mantra of do no evil. Yeah. When was the last time anybody from Google actually said do no evil? I think it was 2002. No, no. Sergey is pretty good on that. Yeah, but Sergey, what is, what's Sergey's day-to-day uh, -day in the company? Though? I mean, Making lots of money. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, good job, sir. But, you know, Mitt Romney is in, your, in his corner in a, in a big way. So. Mm. But he hasn't bought a yacht yet. He is not Larry Ellison. Say what you will about Google. They're not. No, you know, never mind what I said about about uh, Google and Apple dancing around first and, and second place. They're actually dancing around second and third place with Google right out in front in first place. Man, fuck those guys. You mean Oracle? Oracle. I did that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm only one beer in already. And are you sure um, Microsoft doesn't have Oracle beat? No, you know what? If this were 1990, if this were uh, 19, if there was 2002 or 1995 or something like that. Yeah, but uh, Microsoft, I mean, what are, what are they known for? Uh, Seven, which is an actually nice operating system. Thank you. Um, and I say this as somebody who got a, a you know, who got training in Microsoft operating systems so that I could tell you how much they suck with authority. Um, <laughs> XP was good. XP Seven. was a pile. XP was a complete pile. Are you kidding me? No. I mean, the requirements were, were fine. Uh, it, it undid a lot of what Vista did. It, Wait, no, XP, you mean seven? Yeah. So, sorry, Vista. Yeah, uh, Vista was the Vista's the pile. No, Vista. No, Vista is not a pile. Vista is is what's under the pile. I mean, Vista was. I, there's nothing to be said about Vista. I, I've always looked at XP as a great gaming platform. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I work for a living. 
No, I, um, if if you're gaming, well, I honestly gaming media center as far as Windows platforms, XP was pretty. I mean, good. honestly, Saturday when I was group really into gaming, I was into console gaming because uh, on the console nobody could text message me or send me an instant message telling me to go fix a fucking server. So granted, but, but it's 2012 now. That's no longer true. I have gotten server down messages while I was playing. Uh, you know, EDF 2017 on my Xbox. Like, I'm playing, and then I thought I got an achievement. No, the mail server is down. Go fix it. <laughs> and I'm like, Windows Live is, was the death of me. And I own an Xbox. I don't have a Wii. I don't have a PS3. I have an Xbox. Yep. And I'll be honest, that goes a long way towards fixing Microsoft's image as far as I'm concerned. Because the Xbox is a fantastic gaming platform. Definitely. If it weren't for the fact that my boss could message me on it. <laughs> That's the only problem. <laughs> So I, needless to say, I created a new uh, MSN account, and, and then Fair he enough. found Matt because he's that kind of guy. Kind of creepy. That's but why okay. I don't work there anymore. <laughs> is that why you joined the forty-seven percent? That is that is why I joined the forty-seven. Well, no, uh, the, the reason I joined the forty-seven percent is is uh, the, the thing you mentioned at the start of the show. To be honest, if I'm being honest, so uh, the whole radio show bit. Mm, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like uh, people would tell me you work a long time. You uh, you know you, you put your 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 uh, effort into your into your business and what you do for a living. You make a lot of money. You build a family. You have kids. Blah blah blah. And then when you're old, with whatever money you have left over, you can do what you want. You can get involved in a movement. You can do something that may not make you a lot of money, but is something that is near and dear to your heart. But first, you gotta establish yourself in society. Or you can just chuck it all in the bin and do it, which is what I'm doing. So, cool. I mean, I mean, I did my bit in the internet thing. Um, you know, I, I do. I I wasn't an internet millionaire, but well, maybe I, I don't know. I never did the money. Uh and I had a terrible time doing it. And it was it was. I mean, I was wor- what I got my start in is I I love radio. Not only do I love being on the radio, but I love the theory behind radio. I love the technology behind radio. I've been a ham radio operator since I was a kid. Uh and when I went to school, you know, what I wanted to go to school for was was RF data was RF data integration, engineering type stuff. And I got I got a job doing that, and that lasted me all of I don't know five years. And then uh, because I picked fixed microwave installation work rather than cell towers because I was dumb. So point to point internet. Yeah, point to point microwave mm-hmm. internet um, yeah. was what I did. Uh, we have room groups. And yeah, uh, who was it? Who was the company providing? Well, it was actually uh, Bremerton Housing Authority up in Bremerton. Do you know what technology? Do you know what uh, platform they used? I don't. I just remember that it was. Uh, we we had two dishes. We got a. I think it was a five meg transfer between the two. Okay. Was it MMDS? Do you know? I don't. Okay. I I was I was more into the hardware side. Well, that's sort of my point. Is nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about when I talk about what I used to do, and uh, just in the biggest sense. It's not that nobody knows. It's it's so old and outdated that nobody cares. Cares, right? (laughs) And uh, no, 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 no. Exactly on the nose. Um, And then so that ended, and I I just became sort of a coder, web developer, and ended up making software for the real estate industry, which uh, you know made money for a while, but. Oh god, it's like prom twenty four seven with real estate agents. I tell you, it's it's weird. Um, I'm already telling you my life story. There's no reason we can't do the interview first. Yeah, you got stuff, right? You got stuff. Yeah, we yeah. could just do the 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 episode in reverse. 
No, nah, that's how stuff. we normally record it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm uh, out of gas, so I'm gonna do do stuff, and I'm gonna order another round. Oh, okay. Uh, what's he drinking? I'm drinking the Oregon's. Oh, I'm on a very light beer. Okay. Ah, oh, shit! I'm almost out of beer. You guys took too long getting set up. Sorry, oh, Crimea River. Go get another one. All right, I'll get another one uh, while you start on uh, history. So let me play the bumper real quick. <laughs> This day in history, October 25th, 1881, Pablo Picasso is born. So he's one of those really influential artists. You might have heard of him. He's had a blue period. He's had a this period. He's had a cubist period. He's, he's an odd gent. But uh, you would be too if your father kind of forced you into that life starting really young. Yeah, from what I can read, his father was kind of a dick. But whatever. Uh, yeah. So... I got I got nothing here. I got a whole bunch of paragraphs. Well, uh, wasn't Picasso's father? No, I'm I'm totally pulling from the TV show PY. Okay. But wasn't Picasso's father a painter of pigeons? Really? Yeah, um, I, I seem to remember that. I could I could understand that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it sure from from the knowledge that I have, I've never heard of Pablo Picasso's father. So. Right. I'm guessing that his, his art was shit. <laughs> and he, he was like, well, my son might have some talent. Here we go. Let's force him into it and make some money. And then you got a lot of stuff here. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the work of Picasso, which comprises more than 50,000 paintings, drawings, engravings, sculptures. And that is a lot of stuff. I don't think I've ever done 50,000 lines of Coke. anything. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 50,000 lines of code, but no, totally done 50,000 lines of code. But it's 50,000 units of whatever it is that you do. That's, that's a big well, ass number. I mean, there's code, but then there's coke. Yeah, well, yeah. You that's, were suggesting that I totally, yeah. Yeah. Wesley's <laughs> just trying to be cool. <laughs> and horribly failing, but as usual. Hey, it's fun. Hey, hey. I was the one who talked about what the what hell, the hell was, was that? that? <laughs> was that your guitar oh, thing? Shit, I, uh, <laughs> Forgot that that didn't turn down uh, your side. <laughs> <laughs> I unplugged the netbook. So uh, cubism, which is divided into two phases, analytical and synthetic, uh, Picasso and Brack established the modern principle that artwork need not represent reality to have an artistic value. Yeah, I I can't, I don't like it. You're not so you're not a, a fan of the modernist uh, movement in art. Not so much. Okay. When I took my I, intro I like to art be able class, to identify stuff. Mm-hmm. When I took my intro to art class in uh, college, the uh, the professor was kind of into the whole modern type thing. And yeah. at one point, I think, and we had to do this this journaling. And at one point, I actually wrote in there, most of the stuff people call art isn't art. <laughs> right. She hated me from then on out. But I still Ooh. hold that opinion. A lot of that shit isn't art. Well, was it an, isn't some doesn't somebody have a law uh, in violation of Moldy's law? I should say um, that ninety uh, percent of everything is crap, and well, and I think that might hold for art. Yeah, I, I would quite agree with that. I mean, uh, uh, Picasso. Yeah, there's some stuff that Picasso I didn't get, but uh, Guernica. Um, I don't know if you got anything about Guernica on that, but that no. that what that represented both politically and artistically. And I mean, the way he, what it represented was something that was happening that nobody was really talking about except for him and like George Orwell and a few others. Uh, and then artistically, it was sort of a multidimensional painting, if I remember right. It was sort of a 2D map space of the 3D happening. Hmm. It was, uh, it was almost a painting equivalent of a tesseract, <laughs> which um, I was in, I have to, I have to be honest with you because I'm into that sort of thing. Uh, I was into it. Um, Picasso also did the weird uh, 
the weird sculpture uh, near Chicago City Hall. Um, that one that looks like a cow had mated with an oboe. Oh my! Um, so I mean, Picasso had an effect on on my life. Uh, I got to be honest, I'm I'm just really not much of a picture visual kind of guy. You know what? It is. It is. I love books. That's that's my my best medium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Books, no, I'm well, totally in your your corner on that. Video or video. So you like the you're a a motion picture kind of guy. I I really am. I'm a, I'm a movie whore. <laughs> movie whore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if one should use the word whore when when talking I, about movies. I, no, I I have. I, I have a certain. I have a feeling that might actually be a real occupation. Okay, true. <laughs> I mean, look at Robert Zadar. I mean, yeah, that's just a porn star. A professional a critic whore. is a movie whore because that's somebody that's paid to watch movies. Mm. Mm. Getting paid what to about do the something you should guys? do to enjoy. What about the Mystery Science Theater? They got paid to watch movies. True. They're movie whores as well. Okay. Well, then, uh, well, I don't know that I would call the uh, the people who basically built my sense of humor whores. <laughs> I mean, now, I don't know that I'd call anybody whore a whore, but I can't you know, yeah, I, I actually ended up giving up about half of my movie collection. I'm down to about 600 DVDs now. You're down to 600 DVDs. Holy yeah. shit. You know how many DVDs I own? Nine. Is one of them hackers? Are you? No. <laughs> yes, I remember this. No, one of them is not hackers. October 25th, 1944. Japan's first Kamikaze attack of the war. Yeah, um, yeah that's just kind of shitty that people have that much loyalty to their country. Well, it, it's interesting when you talk about kamikaze attacks because, I mean, we have those now. They're just not, they don't have the cool name. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Muslims have cool names for stuff. No, well, okay, they've got cool names for it. Well, no, not necessarily cool names. They do have cool afterlives designs. There's been a serious debate about that, about the 72 virgins thing, that that might actually be a mistranslation of the 72 white grapes. 72? Yeah. Well, take care of that in an afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> you that, the... you get a Dixie cup of grappa. I mean, come on. Regardless yeah, of the reason for it, though, it, it's it's the same basic idea. It's killing yourself for, for a cause. Yeah. And it's doing it for your God. And in the case of Muslims well, the today, emperor. they're doing it for, for Allah. And mm -hmm. the Japanese deified their emperor. Exactly so. It, yeah. yeah, is is you know with the, with the Shinto ideology and stuff like that. The emperor was in many ways the, the emperor was the pope. Well, yeah, he was their god on earth. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dang. So kind of like BattleTech. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. So it, really. Yeah. So they had, really they had a they had a group of twenty four volunteer fi uh, fighter pilots that became the the first kamikaze group, uh, and they actually. They did a shitload of damage. Uh, let's see. You had the Zero Fighters. That, um, let's see. And, and they were at uh, 6 a.m. The Navy group was struck, uh, and they, they sunk ships in less than an hour, killing 100 Americans. Yeah. More than 5,000 Kamikaze pilots died in the Gulf battle, taking down 34 ships. So these guys, you know, they probably dropped their torpedoes and then fire their their guns until they were out actually yeah the first round in. the first round of the kamikaze pilots probably had torpedoes so they know later in the war when the, they probably just ran out of the, torpedoes. the, the mm -hmm. planes were basically built out of paper and silly putty so they couldn't carry it they could carry a pilot a bunch of fuel and that was it yeah but this at this point in the war um the thing that i didn't know is in this is uh 
Let's see. Uh, further, Kamikaze raids the Japanese employed both conventional aircraft and specifically designed blades called Oka, a cherry blossom, but the Japanese... So probably the really light ones. Yeah, well, cherry blossom, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but Baka, fooled by the Americans, because that's, you know, the Japanese for it. I had no idea that's what they called them. That's... Uh, a rocket-powered plane. It was the Baka. Oddly multicultural wow. for World War II. Um, well... <laughs> <laughs> I, I okay. This the thing that always kind of wondered that, that with me with uh, the kamikaze thing is imagine you're uh, you know you're a uh, naval you're in the navy you're you're serviceman you're in it's World War Two and you're working on your boat and you already know you know Pearl Harbor already happened so you're you're already kind of on your toes and then the planes show up it's like okay it's time to shoot at planes but they're not shooting they're just crashing into you. <laughs> I, that's the ultimate guided missile right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ultimate and, and, and the original. The or ultimate and the original. I mean, I laugh, but I laugh because I, it's it's a whistling yeah. past the graveyard laugh. That's the insanity of it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you're talking about uh, Americans using words out of out of the other's language for this kind of stuff. I mean, do you remember when uh, there was that big brouhaha about uh, George W. Bush calling Saddam Hussein Saddam Hussein, <laughs> which. Do you remember what that meant? No. Camel hoof shiner. Uh, I, I knew really? That. I just knew about the shoe shine. Yeah, shoe shiner. Wow. Uh, there are depths of insensitivity to that man that I am learning <laughs> even today. I. Wow. I. Holy shit! I really. Isn't that awesome. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Man, Sam, I can tell you're really enjoying this uh, explicit rating. <laughs> And no FCC. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody's <laughs> gonna jump on my ass. Oh boy. <laughs> well, the beer is helping. I gotta. Oh yeah. Oh. I'm only no, no, halfway on. in, and yeah, I'm a cheap day, man. I'm just gonna put that out there. Yo, uh, not generally a cheap day, but I got I I'm actually on day two. So. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Let's I move don't... on to the next war. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there we go. The hits just keep on coming. Everybody's favorite president. <laughs> <laughs> October 25th, 1973. Nixon vetoes the War Powers Resolution. Oh, boy. So, go ahead, take it. What? No. Uh, President Nixon vetoes the War Powers Resolution, which would limit presidential power to commit armed forces abroad without conventional approval. Uh, the bill, introduced by Senator Jacob K. Javits of New York, required the president to report to Congress within 48 hours after commitment of armed forces to foreign combat and limited to 60 days the time they could stay there without congressional approval. And there's been so many presidents that have just kind of used this to their benefit there, over the years. There's a lot of people we know. There's presidents well, that have ignored it too. Like yeah, Obama. There's a lot of there's a lot of people like Obama, like Obama, like uh, Bush, like Clinton, like mm -hmm. Reagan, like Bush, like. Well, it's just a military action. It's not a war. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? Well, anyway, this is this is the thing that where a lot of people that you and I both know say, "Oh, this is the end of the Constitution. This is where." Uh, this is where things began to go wrong. Because things began to go wrong only with Nixon. For the most part. <laughs> I, I, I do take a lot of issue with the guy. Well, I, uh, who, don't, who doesn't? I mean, well, I, I don't really have much of a problem with Nixon. He was an really? imperialistic asshole, but he, he consolidated power. And that's not power. a problem? How about health care? He's, he's the one that uh, put in the, the health insurance stuff. You know, Vulcans have a say. Like, wrong and prosper? No. <laughs> Only Nixon would go to China. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate Star Trek, but I love that line. <laughs> that is a fantastic line. You know, but, but if you look at, at the, some of the, the, the history behind this bill, it, it all started because Nixon sent U.S. troops 
into Cambodia and Laos without telling Congress, without any kind of approval. Without telling US, anybody. Yeah, just like until like the eighties. Ordered the planes across the border. <laughs> yeah, fuck that's it. all Let's it was. Do the whole war. Yeah. And there was you know, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution gave the initial authorization for the Vietnam War. So Congress had approved US troops in Vietnam, not Vietnam. neighboring countries. Right. And so that's why they did this. And you know, if you look at it though, it even starts before that because prior to well, World War II and before, every US military engagement of, of at least of that scale required an actual declaration of war. Yes. And it was the Korean War where it all started where no more need for that. You just do what you're going to do and Congress will say, "Go for it. Here's some money." Well, we can talk about the Korean War, but I mean the Korean War, Vietnam, the early parts of Libya, I mean, all the weird crap we did to Cuba, the weird crap we did to, in you know, Grenada. South America, mm-hmm. not just Grenada, but South America. Yeah. And that we're well, still Grenada's doing? Coming. Blah, 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 Cold War. <laughs> oh, but a lot of that's not over. It's 2000, not? 2004, there was Haiti. Uh, what, second or third time we'd sent troops into Haiti. We had Libya uh, just last year. We've got no, troops you know in what? South America right now. I'm I'm in favor. I I I my politics actually hew pretty close to Christopher Hitchens' politics back in the day. Except I would never go on Fox because I you know well one no you know what I'd go on Fox once just to do it. To say that yeah, you did. just to say I did. Um, you know, it's like would you have sex with the president? Um, but uh, Maybe. this is actually that was the the would you have sex with the president? Is a would you could you? It was one of those uh, either or. Like kind of one of those questions, like, would you have a beer with the president? Right. No, this was during Bush. That's a long story. Anyway, um, Bush, no, Obama. Just say I did. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I don't even know what the fuck I was talking. Oh, <laughs> right, Libya. Uh, my my politics cue pretty close to Christopher Hitchens' politics. Is I actually think some limited military deployments are acceptable in certain con- you know in, in certain contexts, like when we're invited. Um, it should still happen with congressional approval. Definitely. I, the, the, Definitely. Da, 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 you know. Um, but the whole reason that Libya is, you know, the whole reason that the Muslim Brotherhood isn't grabbing on in Libya like it is in Tunisia, like it is in Egypt, like it is anywhere else, is because we kind of, we, we dropped some ordinance. You know what I mean? It sucks. I wish we could, I, I wish we could build that sort of camaraderie with other countries through some vector other than exploding the crap out of things, but I believe it's the CIA term blowback. Yeah. Uh, the unexpected consequences of something that nobody in your country knows that you did, but you did, and then that other country's pissed at you, and then two towers fall down. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, Afghanistan, I figured, I, you know, that was just going to happen because I was not a fan of Iraq. I figured going, going into Iraq was, you know, was, I'm going to protect my dad. Um, but I was in favor of Libya. I was. So, all right. Well, well I, sorry. I don't know if I was. It's it's. I don't think we should be meddling in everybody's business. I totally agree. We should not be world police. <laughs> uh, but we well, did, somebody ought to. But we did get an. Awesome, we need world police. We do. We got an awesome phrase out of the whole Libya thing, which is uh, doing a Gaddafi to people now. <laughs> Actually, you know what the best part about about Libya was was discovering uh, Gaddafi's shrine to Condoleezza Rice. Really? Yeah, she is kind of cute. No, no, no. Whatever. Yeah, Twenty years ago. But um, well, all I'm saying is that uh, uh, vaguely communist dictator agrees with. Me. 
20 years ago, you know, she's kind of cute. Because he had the Crebo truck. Yeah, it, that is kind of hot. But yeah, he did. You know, what else? What else? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can't tell. Can we talk about something else now? <laughs> you can't tell a person who they think you Actually, I, yeah. I got it. All right, so going from uh, sure. women you think are cute to shaking people all night long. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so October 25th, 1980, the Australian rock gods ACDC earned their first top 40 hit with You Shook Me All Night Long. Oh, boy. Yeah, so this is a band that just won't quit. I mean, I mean, th- these guys. These guys are like right down your alley, aren't they? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm a big fan of theirs. Like, uh, yeah, Dirty Deeds, Darling, Dirt Cheap. I mean, oh my goodness, that just gave me so much. And we lost Wesley. Hi, it's me. I'm back. <laughs> hey there, how you doing? Hey, what happened? It just said connection could not be reestablished. Internet went poop. Ah, that sucks. So, uh, who are we saluting? Are we saluting those who are about to rock? <laughs> yeah, you were about to tell an amazing, uh, amusing anecdote about your love for ACDC, right? Oh, who was? You, you were. Oh, oh. I was in the bathroom. Have I talked about uh, my karaoke before? No. No. No? Just oh. To... Okay, yeah, I've done a little bit of uh, karaoke with, with ACDC. Um, well, not with the band, but Highway to Hell. Highway to Hell is one of my favorite songs, and one night I had the perfect mix of Jaeger, beer, stress, sleep deprivation, failed attempts at hitting on women, and I got up and I did a very moving rendition of Highway to Hell, karaoke, with women coming up to dance with me while I'm singing, the whole group or the whole whole bar joining in, singing along with me, and I got a standing ovation at the end. It was absolutely incredible. You know what? I don't care who you are. The best damn song to karaoke for guys, white guys, is uh, Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly. Was it there. you that did that at the Atheist Post Show, or was that Tyson? That must have been Tyson, but okay. I've done it many times. Well, it was the first post show at Overtime, and the owner of the bar started to hang out with us. Like everybody said, it was uh, after the, the groping thing. And uh, it was like, all right, we have to we have to solve this evening. We had to, we got rid of the creepy person. Let's go out and karaoke. And somebody did uh, uh, the, the green jello. Jelly. Well, they change. Little pig, little pig. Yeah. Can't do that song. I, I can do that. that is, I can do the high parts because. I do the low parts. I, I do all the wolf parts. Yeah. But I join in on for the little pig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can do that too. <laughs> so, I know. Ty, yeah, Tyson did that. My standby is uh, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, <laughs> uh, which is a Nick Cave song, but I, I, the, everybody knows because Elvis Costello covered it. So. <laughs> and I will only do karaoke after a anus bar cap. Ooh. Yes, so. that should be required. Yeah. Oh, more history. One last, one last. But it's a big one. Though. It, yeah, it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about. <laughs> October 25th, 1983, United States invades Grenada. So you might notice a little trend of us uh, hurting countries full of brown people every once in a while. This kind of goes right along with that. And Sam's like, oh shit, he just said that. Yeah, are you, are you Ron Paul's daughter? No, no. Okay. Not. All right, but it, it does kind of have, we do have kind of a trend like that. Yeah. It just happens. So, uh, President Ronald Reagan, uh, citing the threat posed to the American nationals and the Caribbean nation of Grenada by the nation's Marxist regime, orders the Marines to invade us and secure their safety. Uh, there were about a uh, thousand Americans over there, and many of them were students in the medical schools down there. 
you know, the ones that give, you know, fake accreditations. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, no, there were. I'll take somebody that went to Yale over somebody that went to Grenada. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it took about a week, and they overthrew the government, and pray for Reagan (laughs) taking out another Marxist regime. So, yeah, I I don't, this is one of the reasons why I don't like the whole world police thing. We shouldn't be doing that. You you, you roll the dice, if you're going to go down there for school, you're in a country that's not very stable, you know, you, I don't know, man, you, you kind of get what you ask for. I, you know, I, I imagine the, you know, we, we have an audience that's seen my face, but, um, I, I think we need a world police, I think, I think, I think the UN needs teeth in order to do its job. I agree, but it shouldn't be the US. So, what? Not only the US. Well, it very rarely is, but we do kind of have an enormous military, and we like to do stuff with it. I mean, granted that my job is dependent on that enormous military, but oh. at some point, I I would still rather shrink it down quite a bit. Okay, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. Um, the reason I said I I said I think we need some way to give the UN some teeth, sure. and traditionally it's been you know, hey, you American guy, you into this or starting a coalition that's like. We have a coalition of the willing. It's a whole bunch of uh, American troops and baboons that you'd like to join. What? It's kind of the, just like the joke, haha, it's only the U.S. Oh, okay. I think you forgot Poland. Um, <laughs> uh, Morocco with, I, their, I like, with their trained the, monkeys. The thing is, is I, what? This, 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 do, you know how, do you know how that, what you just said, how that, whoa, dude. It, it does, but what, I forget what country it has, but they joined the Coalition of the Willing, and they do have a, a troop of trained, like, suicide monkeys or something. I, I swear, man, I swear I'm going to have to find Alright, I am Wikipedia. Citation needed. <laughs> I, that, you, you just gotta be careful saying stuff like that. You gotta, you gotta back that shit up. Um, Wesley, wow, what country I, was it, out of curiosity? I have to look it up. It's going to be a moment. Oh, wow, he's actually doing it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like atheists. Um, because an army of actual trained monkeys, that does sound awesome. Didn't, uh, who tried, didn't Italy or somebody try that in World War II? No. I don't know. Um, I know the Russians worked on it during the Cold War. Well, both that oh, and, okay. and human... Uh, like gorilla hybrids. I think that oh, was dude. just rumor, man. Hey, it's still a cool rumor. Moroccan monkeys. Well, yeah, but I mean, that would be the title of a webpage I would write if I were saying, yeah, it's a hit. So, and it's W the Phil. Come on, find me something better. Uh, uh, I I just wanted the uh, uh, okay. the, the proper phrasing. The Moroccan monkey is already up there. Um, okay, how about a uh, Washington Post? Okay. Democratic Underground. <laughs> Control F monkey. Yeah. Claim that Moroccans had offered right, two thousand monkeys. With luck, Angola can be replaced by Morocco if a report is made by UPI is to be believed. According to the UPI, Morocco's weekly Al Uzbi Al Siasi claimed that Morocco had offered two thousand monkeys to help detonate landmines. Hmm. Okay, so they're just gonna throw them out there, but that's hardly trained. <laughs> Run! <laughs> Run! <laughs> Run towards the danger! <laughs> they could be trained specifically for that. And that's hardly, that's hardly, right. I mean, I can see where you came up with that, okay? You know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call you a racist. However. 
I'm not calling people monkeys. Yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm calling monkeys I'll give monkeys. you that. Yeah, yeah. But and they are part of the military. That's fucked up. Dude. I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I'm yeah, the UPI. Uh, I don't know. I generally trust the UPI. I don't know. Um, holy shit! I'm learning so much hanging out with you guys. I'm I'm learning. I want to go crawl in a hole and stay there. Um, yeah, some odd shit. Oh yeah. wow! Okay, are we done with with talking about yes, train monkeys? Hey, that was fun. That was that was cool. <laughs> are we ready to move on to some actual science? <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, science! I like that. Wesley, this I first love, one's yours. I love that throwaway music. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, so new IBM microcomputer technique has a resolution of one hundred times smaller than an atom. All right, so this came out a while ago, but uh, just. It's really fucking cool, and my web page is not working properly. Okay, uh, so let's see. Uh, we're talking, how small are we talking? About one trillionth of a meter. Building on their impressive microscopy over the last few years, uh, IBM has refined their, tech, their method to precisely measure the structure uh, details of a single molecule. Uh, so we're talking like three picometers, which is a zero with a whole bunch of uh, a three with a whole bunch of zeros before it. Zero, 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 three meters. Okay, I think that was nine. Oh, was it? Or ten. Okay. It's a bunch of zeros. It's really tiny. Like three nanometers? So they're talking, yeah, like one hundredth the diameter of an atom. Dang. So we're finally going to be able to see, like, well, all the bonds that are holding these molecules together. Well, apparently we're going to see the honeycomb hideout if that picture is not there. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to love that surreal. So, yeah, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, oddly silent. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Be able to see, like, uh, watch the carbon nanotubes form, everything. Uh, the, the clarity that this thing is getting. Now, granted, it could see down that small, but for stuff that's larger, we're going to see it in much better detail, I figure, too. That, that's true. You get higher resolution stuff. And from an engineering perspective, one of the, from what I'm told, I'm, I'm quoting somebody, uh, one of the hardest things about working with nanotechnology is that you can't see what you're doing at the moment. Yeah. And uh, like electron microscopes like this will help that out. It's a fantastic difference. Oh, yeah. We're, we're well past just looking at what's inside of a, an atom. Or not an atom, I mean a, a cell. We're down pretty close to, you know, you get much, much smaller than that, and you're going to be looking at the actual individual subatomic particles. Well, that, that, that's the thing is, is a lot of these pictures have sort of this... Hexagonal. Uh, well, they're looking, I think they're looking at carbon structures, I think, because uh, they're looking at nanotubes. But they all have this sort of fuzzy nimbus around them. Is I think we're going to be able to finally see, like, the, the electrical... Bonds. Is that the electron? Because yeah, they're not particles, they're clouds of crap. And they're, here we are looking at an individual atom with clouds of stuff around. Kind of like Superman spinning around the Earth. Or did, they just, fail to, or did they just <laughs> fail to focus the camera? Well, no, that's no, the other side. Not, <laughs> yeah, well, when I do this, am I looking at electrons? Because yeah. <laughs> when you're getting down that small, the uh, how much fine-tuning you'd have to do on the, the calibration of that to get the right focus... Would be absolutely sure. insane. Well, I don't think they're gonna like release a whole bunch of like fuzzy images. They release sure a whole bunch of fuzzy images and, though, and, and focus. They're, they're not like, oh, you know, there's there's Bart over there. Let's just have Bart take a few pictures and call it good. They're, they're gonna like take their time and release some nice ones. And 
but the the nice ones that they're showing here are kind of fuzzy. Yeah, that's it's kind of tiny though. Oh yes, I'll, it, I'll, it definitely I'll, is. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Now look at that scale, twenty angstroms. Yeah, I mean that is that is small. Oh, very very impressive. Hexabenzocoronini. I just had to try. A polyaromatic hydrocarbon that's so it's cleaner. A, a scent. A multi-scented hydrocarbon? That's what I got. I mean, my science comes mostly from cooking, so... Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Alright, so, um, yeah, uh, be able to see the, the bonds of the carbon, carbon atoms uh, sharing electrons. I mean, this, this is kind of like a great way to, to say ha-ha to everybody that's like, oh, we can't ever see that, you know, it's outside of our, our spec. Our, our, our universe. There's no, no, there's no reason for us to even pay attention to stuff like that. I like anti-sciencey people. Is, you gotta you know, hate anti-sciencey people. I do. Oh, anti-sciencey is, is bad. Wow. I was listening to uh, KLAY, uh, the radio station that we're on, on the way up. Yeah. And they had a locally produced Christian talk show, and they were like, uh, "Did you know that?" You know, I mean, people are talking about evolution. Blah, blah, blah. Did, did you know that uh, Darwin's wife was a Christian? Well, yes, she was. And and the thing about, I mean, Darwin was was in the middle of was was rebelling, was 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 turning away. But his wife was a Christian, and I mean, I knew what radio station there was, and it was they weren't taking callers. But I just wish somebody would call them up and say, "Oi, fuckers! Darwin was a Christian too." Yeah, more than just that. He had lifelong friendships with the with his local religious people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the not the the, uh, the the priests around his his town. Well, his education was was mostly religious, right? Which so, was like most everybody else's at the time. Yeah, yeah. You look at all those early scientists, and they all had theology degrees. Yeah, if you wanted to learn to read and write. That's what you did, especially Latin or anything old, anything mm. anything scientific at the time. Yeah. Your options are basically that, law, or medicine. Yeah, well, and medicine was kind of weird because... Uh, they still had bloodletting, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, dissection was off the, the books at that point. So. <laughs> Science! And this has nothing to do with scanning, uh, tunneling, electronic microscopes. We, we often go way, way off on stuff. We beat the shit out of the topic. Yes. So, whoa. All right, so, so next up, yes, the U.S. Navy is developing a, or at least funding the development of what is being called a MacGyver bot. And I don't think that's any official kind of name. It's got a segue. Yeah. It is. It's a, got a segue. <laughs> yeah. This is a robot that they're putting together that has arms that can look at what, and scanning instruments to see what's around it and make tools out of things. So the picture they've got in this article on discovery.com, the robot's grabbing a metal pole to lift a, looks like a fallen beam off of a soldier. And yeah. it's on wheels that look kind of like a Segway, as, as Wesley if I may, pointed out. <laughs> if I may offer an alternative interpretation, uh, this looks like a scene right out of the third Terminator movie, <laughs> where the unevolved Terminators are beating the crap out of, out of military guys. Maybe maybe he's not lifting it. Maybe he's controlling the thing, which is crushing the uh, the soldier there. Okay, at I, this I think point... you can make the case for that. At this point, they're working on making it so they can fix things and help people. Okay. Skynet's not for a couple more years. Okay. Yes. Once these robots are perfected, then Skynet can take them over. Yeah. <laughs> it is awesome. Yeah. Oh, that movie was. 
So they, they named the robot Golem Krang. Golem Krang? Really? Yes. Wow. Talking about talk about mixing your mythology. You've got uh <laughs> Oh, You've yeah. got early Jewish mythology and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's right. Krang was the little brain guy. Wasn't yeah. He? Oh, let's, oh, I loved it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, you know, this kind of a robot, <laughs> first it's going to see use by the military. So soldiers that are trapped in, in a bad situation, they can get, get rescued by, by a machine that won't have any fear of actually getting its head shot and getting into that tough situation itself. But if you think about it, it won't be long after that before the military starts using it, and then it gets to civilians using it to help people in earthquakes and other kinds of natural disasters. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is just fucking awesome. Yeah, actually, earthquakes is a, is a really good example of that. Because the thing about, about major earthquakes is one of the things that takes so long to get people out of wreckage is that they're worried about losing a lot of their recovery teams in incredibly unstable buildings. Right. So if your only outlay is building these robots, which are, you know, after a while would be essentially, disp- you know, dispensable. Uh, we also got those robots that we were talking about uh, last episode that are fixing the engines, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the long uh, worms or whatever you want to call them right. that uh, could fit into cracks and, and do the scouting where, you know, you have uh, big big Bob here come back, big uh, Crane come back and uh, do the heavy lifting once the, the worms go and do the discovery. The snakes. The snakes. Yes. Snakes, worms, snakes, yes. Yep. Tentacles. Send the snakes in, then send Golem. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting is it seems like we're starting to get a theme of discussing various different you know robots, and it might end up just being a, a robot of the the episode every time. Mm, fair enough. It's not bad. Could be worse. There's enough of them in the news that I'm seeing. Fucking eh? No, it's nice to see him finally because people have been promising robots would would do things and for, flying cars for a hundred years. Yeah, uh, for as long as they've been talking about flying cars. And we're finally starting to see the fruits of that because, you know, the technology is getting small, small enough for able to do the logic. That's, that's cool. I think yeah. the biggest thing is batteries. I think that's the, the biggest uh, thing that's been holding them back. Really? I do. Batteries? I do. Yeah. Being able to yeah. Uh, yeah. Run, run autonomously. Nuclear power, man. I'm fine with that. Nuclear power. Yeah. A little bit of yellow cake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's what Curiosity's got. And right yeah. now, that's our most advanced and expensive robot out there. With a two megapixel webcam. Oh man, that's more yeah. than enough for what it's doing, and more than well, you don't want much more than that if you're going to be sending it back. Have they finished downloading the HD audio of the la- or the HD video of the landing? I don't know. Okay, because I knew they had high res landing video. Mm. They're kind of cool. Oh, did you hear about the metallic uh, pebble they picked up? Mm. It well, they found a shiny pebble in the ground. Okay. And uh, it ended up being part of the structure of the landing. Oh. So just a chunk flew off? Yeah, I thought it might be, if it was like metal on Mars, that'd be a big deal when they analyzed it. And they found out it was part of the thing which crunched on the Earth, or not, crunched on Mars, actually, to uh, to get the robot there. But when they were doing it, they found a bunch of other weird stuff, like silicates and stuff like that. So what you're saying is that some little asshole forgot to rake this out of the, the scene when they were prepping the, the stage. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you... you... <laughs> So you heard about my prank, right? No. I want to get a bunch of pictures of um, 
the, the, the Curiosity rover. Right. And I want to embed location data for somewhere in Arizona <laughs> in all those photos. <laughs> And right, just release right. them on the internet. So that I've got weird com- conspiracy websites to go to for the next 20 years. Because mm. that is not an infinite well. As much as we like to talk about it, they need material to work with. If they have no material, it's boring. If they have no material, you basically have George Norrie. All right. And that's boring. Mm. I, want, I want Buzz Aldrin punching people. <laughs> and the only way you get Buzz Aldrin punching people is when you've got people who think they have evidence. So... Hmm. So you're going to give it to him? No. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just showed him that that picture of what uh, Curiosity (laughs) showed around and and drew it. Do you remember that one? Goes to Mars, draws it. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the next uh, story. Yay. There is a frog in uh, Japan called the Otten Frog. That actually has a pseudo thumb with a sharp spike that it can force out of its its thumb. Well, thumb type thing, uh, and it can it can stick out the spike. And it uses it not just to fight other frogs, but if you try to capture one, it will try to use it on you. <laughs> and they use them in mating. Uh, it doesn't seem to be used in hunting at all. But yes, in mating, the males are so much larger than the females that to make the whole process actually work, they have to stab the females to hold them in place. <laughs> yeah. Well done, evolution. <laughs> now to get yeah. to get Where's the right to stab now? the females like that, they have to slice through each other. The males do. Yeah, the most brutal frog ever. So the most brutal frog ever is the frog who could theoretically use tools <laughs> and shank a motherfucker. They could put on pants. They could stab <laughs> you and put on pants. <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever tried putting on pants about thumbs? It's doable, but not easy. Yeah, this frog would have a... It wouldn't be able to put on pants because it would stab the pants to pull them up. <laughs> It'd rip the pants and it just wouldn't quite work. That never stopped me! Hey, hey! <laughs> you know, just kind of replace the end of your thumb with an exacto blade. Yeah, and wow. That's... That is creepy. Now, okay, what, what's even more interesting with this is to force these, these spikes out of its thumb, it actually has to puncture through the skin. Which is why in this article, oh, on the scientist, wolf. the Wolverine frog. Oh yeah! Wow. Does it call everybody Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it kind of missed an important Superman. detail. It's hey, I work sp- with Mike Gillis. Okay, I got. <laughs> you gave me shit for Superman, and, and now you're you're pulling out the, the bug. Okay, I see. How it goes. Yeah, this thing literally forces spikes through its legs or through its thumbs out the skin to stab other males and rape females. The creepiest thing, but not the only animal uh, that, that injures itself to create weapons. So there are newts and salamanders that push ribs through their skin to serve as spikes. There's a hairy frog in Cameroon that breaks the bones of its hands to make claws. And another frog that also has these pseudo-thumbs with spikes. Oh, and wow. it's actually even more savage than the Otten frog and usually kills the other males when they fight. Oh. Well, get on him for being, you know, just dominant and not a mass murderer. I don't know what's new stuff like Blue Planet and you know the David Attenborough stuff and and you know like oh isn't nature fantastic and majestic and well, it's better than Oprah and her Jesus lizard. That's true, but <laughs> what there really needs to be is like terrifying planet. 
You know, I most of it would take place in the ocean. I, I, had, I had something kind of like that as a kid uh, on VHS. It was some kind of a Predator movie that was absolutely awesome. And yeah, a big portion of it was in the ocean. Okay. You had the killer whales that would, uh, the ones that would just play with their seals before they eat them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll throw them out in the air. And, you had yeah. subarctic cliffs where various birds would just dive bomb each other, catch them mid flight, and eat the bird and also catch the fish. <laughs> well, just one of my awesome mom's stuff. One of my mom's boyfriends had a VHS tape like that too, but it was called Faces of Death. No! Hey! <laughs> a zing! <laughs> That was an interesting watch for a young child. Yeah. So do we still have an audience? We still have one viewer. Yes. I wonder if it's still the same one. You're like, ah, oh, fuck it, this guy's bored. Somebody else came out. <laughs> now, what was, what was really cool, with, oh, it's Trials of Life is what it was called. Really? That's what the All name right. of that video was. What was really cool with it is I was able to watch nature videos on Sabbath. Otherwise, yeah. a very boring day. And hmm. so I'd still get my dose of, of violence, and it'd all be <laughs> sanctified because that's what animals do in nature. Uh, yeah, it's not much. It's not much better than what we do. Now, the the other place I get my uh, stories of violence on the Sabbath was the Bible, <laughs> one of the most violent books out there. Right. All right. Let's let's move to the next one. All right, NASA has been, you know, as everybody knows, is looking for, for exoplanets. And they've, they've uh-huh. been finding some that are roughly the size of Earth. They have now found one just four light years away. It is circling yeah. around Alpha Centauri B, roughly the size of Earth. And this uh, Alpha Centauri B is pretty similar to our sun, only about half the size. Now, where it differs from Earth is that it orbits in a matter of 3.2 days. And the temperature, or we take 365, uh, considering the size of Alpha Centauri, it should take roughly 225 days to have a, a climate similar to Earth. But the estimated temperatures on this planet, based on where it is, is 2,240 degrees Fahrenheit. So Phoenix, then. Yeah, yeah. If, if it, now, if it had water on the planet, it would be so incredibly humid, it'd be more like Mumbai. Hmm. All right. So can I make the obvious video game joke here yes, and call, and call the University of Planet right away? <laughs> y- you could you could play the Believers if you want because <laughs> uh, that would be funny. Anybody else play Alpha Centauri? The yeah uh, yeah I, I played it. Ah, it's one of my favorite. It's actually one of my favorite video games. Uh, it's a fantastic game. I went pretty much from uh, first person shooters to EverQuest. And then back That's not a big shooters. stretch. That is a giant stretch. First person shooters to EverQuest. It's so a massively So MMOs and then MMOs where you kill people. Then MMOs. Yeah, MMOs to MMOs. Massively, massively. If you said I played. Oh, go ahead. Alpha Centauri was pretty good. I really enjoyed that. It was good. I had some really excellent. Well, it, I mean, okay, it introduced an entire generation of Nietzsche, as far as I'm concerned, which I could take or leave. But, uh, um, it was, it, it's actually when I make the video games as art argument. Well, I would, I would use that for Bioshock then. Well, this is before Bioshock. Yeah. Uh, like, the, until recently, my m- number one argument would have been, uh, 
Alpha Centauri. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Alpha Centauri is the was a uh, science fiction sort of add-on or sequel to uh, Civilization, where in Civilization, the like the awesome goal, the good win that you can get is sending a starship to another planet. And Alpha Centauri takes place that is said starship from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah into the future and it's it's about there's future technology future future philosophies there are uh you know there's questions of morals there's questions of ethics there's questions of technology questions of ideology um there's the university of planet which is very much a research-oriented civilization like rather than nationalistic divisions it makes divisions based upon ideology there's a uh sort of a there's the university which is an academic ideology there's the believers which is a religious ideology there's the un peacekeepers which is the un political ideology there's this there's sparta which is a, a militaristic martial ideology there's the human hive which is a to call it communist is uh <laughs> yeah a little bit more borgish yeah, yeah. like there's just one thing where, where the guy uh, in charge of the human hive his name is uh chairman yang uh and he says uh there's this one side quest where you build the recycling tanks and uh, and he says uh every citizen's final duty is to enter the recycling tanks and become one with all the people. Right. And when I first read it, when I first heard it, I'm like, yeah, you go, you know, when you can't do anything else, you go work in the recycling tanks. No, no. I wasn't paying attention. It's you it's go into the recycling tanks and die. You're, yeah, it's yeah, soil it's totally green. And and once I made that connection in my head, I was like, wow, this is a fucking creepy game. And it has nothing to do with detecting another... Ex- How many exoplanets are we up to now? It's like 700, isn't it? Look at that. There's hundreds. Eight, 800. Oh, okay, all right. Ten percent of them are, are considered low mass, roughly, uh, you know, up to ten times the size of the Earth. Up to ten. That That's small. Yes, that is yeah, small. Yeah, I guess that would be small. Damn, that is incredibly tiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't go to any of them yet. Now, what you're finding with the low mass planets is that a lot of them are in systems with multiple planets. And... There's a really good chance that based on this one they found around Alpha Centauri B, that there's a, a decent chance of a lot more low-mass planets, potentially ones in the habitable zone. Cool. So there actually could be a place with life or with the ability to support our life. Just that four, be awesome. four light years away. Yeah. In our backyard, essentially. Yeah. We just need to develop some faster propulsion. We should start seeding life on other planets. Ooh, Okay, Stephen Baxter, what's your plan? Uh, now it's more taking the Prometheus engineer's angle. Oh, I didn't see that. I heard it sucked. It does. It's okay. horrible. Please don't watch it. All right. I mean, the alien looked like something out of a tool video. That's cool. But Yeah, no. Movie, horrible. Yeah. All right. Completely shit. Even the, the, I mean, the, That's the, a real letdown. That is a real letdown. It is. And there's another one coming. Real? Yes. And they already have a name for it. It's in... Uh, produ- uh, I don't know if production yet, but it's it's on the stage. Shit, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the the science was absolute crap. Do you ever listen to SGU? S- uh, the Skeptics Guide? Not recently. They, but they do a, a complete teardown of the movie, and it's painful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, at that point, that point, they're spot on. It's okay. just The science was pathetic. Mm-hmm. I don't expect incredibly realistic uh, uh, science out of my science fiction. And neither does, uh, you know, neither does he. I, I see a poster. But, uh... <laughs> no, man, completely pathetic. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, well. They're the believers, or it, it's... I mean, everything is, is clothed in religiosity. It's it's <laughs> very just 
it, it should be a damn B movie. It it should for for all of their science talk. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, uh, Mike when he 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 saw it and he would not let us leave Sherry's for like three hours because he wanted to go into detail about. He didn't go into the science of it at all. He just said that the humans in this movie do not act like humans. Yeah, it's it's one of those where the where the the scripts. You got the biologist on a on a alien planet that's like going, "Hey, little buddy," when this little worm thing is like doing its little snake dance. He spent forty five minutes talking about that thing alone. It's like, why would anybody do that? And everybody makes gets angry at the captain for not letting the infected people on the spaceship. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's like rule one. Actually, it's like rule two. After, make sure there is fuel in your spaceship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's. Have you seen it, Dustin? I have not. I wouldn't even download it. That's that's how much I don't like it. And and this is how that's saying something. This is me talking crap about a movie, uh, a science fiction movie I haven't seen. If you would like to talk crap about a science fiction movie I have seen, block out block out about fourteen hours and, and for, for which one? Oh, name one. Uh, what's a terrible science fiction movie I've seen? I've seen a few. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers? No, nah, you know what? Did you read the novel? MPH. <laughs> I, I, so, let's get back on topic. Argument. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> next one is uh, carbon dating gets a reset, and you know periodically they. They've tried to, to fine-tune carbon dating, but it's basically been... They, they've taken what current carbon-14 levels are, and they've looked at what the, the carbon-14 levels are in various objects of known dates. For example, Egyptian mummies and... Oh, shit, there is a, another example here. Uh, Dendrochronology. Sure, no, that wasn't the other one. It was something else historical uh, from the 1960s. Okay. Oh, oh, bread around Pompeii. Oh, right. And so that's how they initially said it. Then, since then, they've they've worked on, on using tree rings. So they, they'd calibrated against known ages on tree rings. But both with the earlier methods and the tree rings, they'd get to a situation where the carbon dating would usually be off by, by a fair amount. And the example they give in this article on Scientific American is 10 to 20% off. So a, a bone dated to 10,000 years old would probably actually be 11,000. And if it was 20,000 years old, according to carbon dating, it'd actually be about 24,000. So they have now found a lake uh, near Tokyo that has very distinct uh, sediment layers formed uh, twice every summer or twice every year, once in the summer and uh, once every winter. And this has happened for tens of thousands of years. And so they've taken a 70 meter core from this and they've counted the layers to create a record going back 52,000 years. And by doing this, they've been able to fine-tune uh, carbon dating. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, they, they fine-tuned it to the point of maybe even able to get back to, to stuff 30,000, 40,000 years ago, uh, which would allow them to look at Neanderthals. Yeah, that was the thing, is, is uh, they look at carbon dating from a statistical perspective because... Uh, they, they sort of, you know, the idea is that carbon, carbon fourteen decays at kind of a set at a set rate. It has a half life. It has a it has a statistical decay rate. But the uptake of carbon, there's parts of it that would change that. And but they had no data to set that up, or they had no data to tune that. So they always approached 
And that's why when they do carbon, when they do carbon dating and other types of radiometric dating, it's always within these enormous ranges, is because they yeah. they just they don't know how specific they get. But still, carbon is is carbon. I mean, that, that's your your lowest setting on on the the data meter. Right. Well, that's here. It's the earliest stuff. Well, I mean, it, it, that's the the newest stuff. It's used to date the stuff that's closest to you. Most recent is what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and even even, even when you get out that far, fifty thousand years, you know, yeah, it is. But you know, that's getting into the into the areas where you can use other uh, uh, dating methods to to, mm-hmm. to get dates to to kind of coincide. Yeah, yeah. That, it makes it so that carbon's pretty much irrelevant. Yeah, which is quite nice. Fuck you, creation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we start talking about tree rings, and somebody I I forget who first pointed this out to me is that, is that uh, creationists. Igno- like like to say that um, radiometric dating is a sham for whatever reason. Sure. But most of them support uh, tree ring dates. <laughs> Except dendrochronology goes back 11,000 years, a few thousand years farther than the supposed Christian creation of the universe. Creationists don't accept those tree rings. A lot of them only accept the ones that go back 4,000 years. Do they become Redwoods and sequoias. tree rings? <laughs> those are, are, are the devil's tree rings. <laughs> Seriously? Dang, dude. The only ones I heard about growing up in the Adventist church were sequoias and redwoods going back 4,000 years. Nah. Huh. It, they're, they're selective at what they look at, just like they are with everything else. If it doesn't right. agree with what you already believe, you ignore it. Okay. Fair enough. Because it's the devil's work. Well, the nice thing is that we're going to get a lot out of this, out of this, uh, by taking a chunk out of the lake bed, we're going to get really better resolution on recent, on, well, on early man stuff, on human evolution, and a bunch of others. I wonder if they could do that with the ice cores they get from Antarctica. Well, that doesn't go, does that go that far back? I thought uh, it went at least 15 or 20,000. Oh, ice cores, Antarctic ice cores, uh, about 200,000 yeah. years. Really? Oh, dang. All right. Never mind. Now, the issue with those is, or one nice thing about those for, uh, in particular with uh, climatology, is it actually contains pockets of air that have been trapped for that long. Right. They can do atmospheric testing. Yes. Then you have that whole lake that's been down there and sealed for, what, uh, I don't know how many times of thousands of years that the Russians are trying to get to. That could have some really cool shit in there, but they're afraid of like all the lubricants they're using on the drill bits could be and Cthulhu could be polluting the water down there. Yeah. <laughs> and get an atmosphere sample, early water sample, and awaken an old one. Yeah, good job there, Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. then Aquaman comes in. <laughs> I'm not Mike. <laughs> Aquaman can control any any sea beast. <laughs> All right, so uh, should I go to the next one? Uh, that's it for science. Yeah. It, we're ready to move on to politics and religion, so I'll play the bumper oh. again. A federal appeals court out of New York, this is the U.S. Second Circuit Court of Appeals, has actually made a decision to strike down DOMA. That is the Federal Defensive Marriage Act. This is absolutely awesome. Uh, the, the lawsuit that brought this about was... A, uh, a a widow by the name of Edith Windsor, an 83-year-old lesbian, who sued the federal government for charging her more than $363,000 in estate taxes after her partner died. That's what it really boils down to. That's what 
what marriage, well, at least civil marriage is really all about. It's, it's about being able to handle what happens to property when it all comes to an end. And in this case, it's when somebody dies. Right. By not giving her the same rights that any other wife would have, she, she'd have to pay $363,000 to stay in her home. That is absolutely ridiculous. Right. So this is a, a very awesome, awesome decision. Now, the Obama administration is, is bound by law and precedent, precedents to, to, to fight for this in court. So the, uh, I'm sure the, the U.S. government will be... Oh, actually, no, they are supposed to, but according to this article from CNN, in February, they ordered the Justice Department to stop defending it. Yeah, they did. And it's uh, GOP back groups that are that are taking up the issue in courts. So I really right. wouldn't be surprised if this does make it all the way to the Supreme Court, and I really hope it does, and that they strike it down. That seems likely. I, I think as far as uh, gay marriage is concerned, I, I'm really beginning to feel like we're on the downhill slope of that. Uh, I don't know. I know uh, Wes here is, is familiar with what we've been doing here, but uh, there's the referendum of 74 here in Washington, which uh, ask an atheist at a fundraiser for and sort of a, an argument about uh, atheist participation in that movement. You guys did the 24-hour videothon. I, I was there for about eight. You were there for a while. That's all I could do. Yeah, well... I was mixing drinks for people. I think I could... I, I think if I was being honest with myself, I could do about eight, but I'd be there for the whole thing. Um, is I really begin... I'm really beginning to feel like we're on the downhill slope of that. For one thing, there's don't ask, don't tell in the military, and everybody was expecting when that ended that there would be all sorts of problems in the military about don't ask, don't tell. Have there been any? Not that I've heard. Uh, I mean, I know the military reported a few months ago that there have been zero, but I don't know if that still pertains. And then the other side of that is, um, in the referendum 74 argument here in Washington, uh, the marriages between one man and one woman's side uh, have been saying that uh, the domestic partnership that we have in Washington State is basically is the same thing as marriage, so mm -hmm. why give them full marriage rights? Except it's not. Um, in, in you know, in America, in the United States, we have a we have a, a large we have a history of the of the idea. That's separate but equal doesn't generally work very well, and it, that's definitely the case here in Washington. Is that while married couples don't have to worry about uh, visiting each other in the hospital, married couples don't have to worry about property rights uh, and inheritance and stuff like that. People who have domestic partnerships do have to worry about stuff like that, which is why even though Washington State has very liberal domestic partnership laws, we're still pushing for marriage equality here in the state, mm -hmm. because as it turns out, separate is not equal. And if I if I sound like I know a lot about what's going on here, um, Referendum 74 is one of the things that Ask, Ask an Atheist, my radio show, has been pushing very hard in the last year, is... Uh, the governor of Washington State and the legislature passed marriage equality as as a bill in the legislature. She signed it. It became law. And when that happened, we sat down and we said, if somebody challenges this in a ballot initiative, we're going to fight that fight. We're going to be a part of that argument. And sure enough, uh, fork us on the family or whoever the fuck came in. That, them and the Catholic bishops. Yeah. 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 Uh, and managed to get enough signatures in eastern Washington, because where else, to get that on the ballot. 
So we started raising money and all stuff like that. So yeah, this is this is something we've been talking about a lot. Where uh, the ballots for referendum seventy four were mailed like yesterday. I got mine. I don't have mine yet, but I live in Hilltop. Um, and he used to. <laughs> so I mean, to see that to see to see Doma being struck down because Doma is everybody talks about like like when Clinton wasn't was was, was president. Everybody talks about. Don't ask, don't tell. Everybody talks about uh, the welfare, quote-unquote, reform that he did as sort of his darkest moment. I really think Dolma was, uh, was from a domestic perspective, his darkest moment. It's when, it was when it was the worst. And to see that finally getting struck down, because uh, before, before Dolma, a marriage in one state was marriage in all states. After Dolma, that, no. Yeah, Dolma, what it did was a, it was a... I would say definitely an unconstitutional attempt to define something that violates the principle of full faith and credit, because that's the, right. the constitutional principle that says one contract in one state's valid in all, which includes marriages. Yeah. Now, Sam, I do think you are a bit over-optimistic to say we're on the downhill slope. Okay. We have a conservative Supreme Court right now. The the Roberts Court could very easily say Doma's fine, or they could strike out some of the, the provisions of it. I could even imagine them striking out a little bit and saying, well, it can't be upheld in, in states that allow same-sex marriage, but in states that don't, it's fine. No, I, I agree with you there, that, that uh, if it goes to the Supreme Court, if it goes to a Roberts Supreme Court, um, they, could, they could uphold Doma, but any argument they could have for upholding DOMA would, in any situation that I could think of, which would be supportable by the U.S. Constitution, mm -hmm. also mean that marriage equality on the state level would have to be upheld. Is I don't I don't see a way out of this where the Supreme Court can say no. There's no such that marriage. There, there's no way the Supreme Court can say at this point that marriage is between one man and one woman. They can support DOMA which means that marriage equality is going to happen on the state level, which means it's going to happen in the next 10 years, except for the American Southeast. And, well, it's the American Southeast, so there you go. Southeast and the entire Inner Mountain West. And the Midwest. Inter and Idaho? No, nah, right the Midwest, Iowa's going to pass it. Oh, Iowa already has at least civil unions. No, Idaho. Oh, Idaho, okay. Where I'm at. So, the Rockies. Yeah. Wyoming, uh, Utah. Montana, Colorado. they're not going to get that anytime soon. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado could. Yeah, Boulder, hey. Colorado, you know. Arizona, those places could get it. But Idaho doesn't. <sighs> I could, as a manager in the state of Idaho, as far as state law is concerned, I could fire someone for being gay, and it would be legally justified under state law. No, all the asshole racists that left where I grew up went to Idaho. I I, <laughs> I hear you. Not, um, all not all of them, but a good chunk of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, I, I hear that. I don't, I'm not bagging on Idaho. There's nice parts of Idaho. But I. But um, as far as the politics go, this is one of the most conservative places you can, you can get. Politically speaking, it is so far to the right, politically. The people aren't that far to the right, but the people that control the state, the Simplots in particular, the Simplots and the Mormons, they are. Well, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring that stuff up, I'll just have you know that I moved to Washington to escape Sheriff Joe and Jan Brewer. <laughs> so uh if if you're suggesting that Arizona's gonna pass gay marriage for Idaho, I 
I, I don't know, because you're not going in Arizona. You're not going to have Maricopa County, which is the most populous <laughs> county in Arizona. Arizona, for as big as it is, has six counties. It's weird. What? No, six counties. Arizona. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, Maricopa County itself, I think, is like six times bigger than Rhode Island. <laughs> I okay, don't know. The, the way counties no. in the western U.S. are drawn is absolutely insane. No, well, counties are insane. But yeah. uh... Because, like, in Idaho, just between here and the Oregon border, and I live 55 miles from the Oregon border across yeah. I-84, I drive through three counties. Getting across the border, if I were to head out towards, say, Bend, I would have to drive almost 100 miles to cross one county. But I, the reason, part of the reason I think we're on a downhill slide right now, uh, there is partially popular support. There's popular support now uh, because there are generations of voters now that grew up with gay people. That mm-hmm. that, that the fact that they were gay people were always a part of their environment. Um, were people older than me, that wasn't the case. Um, the other side of that is because of Doma, because of Doma. Doma might have been a backhanded victory, but because of the way it went down and the way that they, that, that that case law is gone and legislation is gone, I don't know that there's a constitutional way to say that marriage is between one man and one woman. The best they can do is say that marriage is to be defined on the state level, mm-hmm. and when most of the states say that gay marriage is just A-OK, what... How can the Supreme Court really challenge that? Yeah, they have they have previous case law at that point, and that and that's my basis for downhill slide. I'm not expecting. I'm not. I'm especially not expecting a Roberts Supreme Court to come in and say, "Oh yeah, gay marriage is fine." I'm not expecting. You might end up having to have that that whole standard center thing where you just have to wait for a generation to kind of die out. Well, either wait for young people to start voting or for old people to die. Either way, yeah. I think what it's really going to take... sounds really shitty. As far as... Because it's going to be decided in the Supreme Court, just like... Or at least somewhere at the federal level, like all major civil rights issue has been decided at the federal level. And what it's going to come down to is step one is throw out uh, DOMA. Step two is Idaho has to recognize a Washington same-sex marriage and grant a, a lesbian couple from Washington the same rights as a straight couple here. And then that, that couple sues the state of Idaho because they refuse to grant those rights. And that goes back to the Supreme Court. And it is then at that point nationwide, it's all the same across the board. And every state will either have to just accept it or go ahead and just go, go along with it. Well, does Idaho really want to say we're not going to accept contracts in Washington? I, I don't think they would. I yeah. really don't think they'd want to do that. And I think that's what it comes down to. The impact on business would just be too big right there. Well, that's that's a big part of it. Is I think part of the reason we're on the downhill slide right now is because uh, business conservatives have realized that if they support this, there's opportunities for them you know, the, the Chick-fil-A model is not the future, I guess is what I'm saying, is uh, the idea that you can continue to be a functional business on the national level in the United States while being against the idea of, of marriage equality or, or even sexual, you know, gender identity and sexual identity and stuff like that. that that's not a sustainable business Either you don't talk about it, or you support the fact that people are who they are. Oh, yeah. If, yeah, backing the old bigotry does not, does not work anymore. Oh, heck. The, the, way I used it. the company I work for, when I, I first started, 
I had a, a coworker that they got married, and when I asked her why, it was she said it was because of the insurance. I was like, well, what about the uh, domestic partnership allowances the company has? And she said, oh, that's only for for gay couples. And I was like, oh, yeah. interesting. It's not until I I moved here and had an employee who had her boyfriend on her insurance through domestic partnership. And, uh, me and yeah, me and my my partner Becky, uh, who's the producer of Ask an Atheist, and she's on it a lot. Um, we right now we are domestic partners because of me mostly. But uh, that's going to change if if marriage equality passes in Washington, and that's the best reason as far as we're concerned. You know, is. Uh, but we recognized when we when we filed under domestic partnership that it wasn't the same thing as marriage. Oh, you actually had to file for that? Kind of, sort of, yeah. There, there, there's certain, there, there are bases one has to round if you're going to accept. Because uh, she she's a teacher. Essentially, mm-hmm. she works for the government, like, like this guy here. Oh, okay. uh, and so if I'm going to get insurance under those circumstances, yeah, there are this paper we have to do, this basis we have to round. So yeah, we're officially we're domestic partners. Yeah, I've looked into into what my company requires for it, and basically if you have a joint lease agreement and a joint bank account to pay that lease, you're covered. Yeah, that was part of it. Two, uh, two, uh, two documented proofs of financial entanglement. Yeah. So, hey, it's an upper L. Sure. Wesley, are you paying attention? He's no. got a. He's a. He's helping the fan base. But the thing is, I have a, a bladder the size of a thimble. Because right, right, I'm back in. All right. All right. I think so, we've filled so, up the memory on my. Uh, I think device. we killed Dolma there. Oh boy. So what was the, the pre-election? Have you have you seen any of the uh, debates? I haven't watched them. Well, I I saw caught ten minutes of one when I Which got one? off of work. That was the first one. Oh, the, first the last ten minutes. Yeah, that was really pathetic. I swear he was on like Dimetap or something. It's just kind of really sad. The Biden that one was just damn funny. You should watch out. And the the, set, the second presidential, it was just awesome watching watching uh, Obama call Mitt a liar. Like that is not true. This is untrue. I don't care what side you're on, damn it, it was fun to see him finally get some balls. So yeah. you actually uh, listen to the, the fact checkers? Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah, there was actually a, basically every left-leaning uh, show out there was saying, you know, Obama won. Every right-leaning show was saying that uh, Obama was a dick or the, the moderator was speaking when she shouldn't have. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, the, the whole uh, uh, when our diplomats got killed, uh, the four people uh, basically that uh, Obama came out the next day and said that it was an act of terror, and Mitt made this big deal so he didn't say anything like that for two weeks. I meant to And uh, so, anyways, uh, Obama's like, all right, just bring it. So we're talking about debates, right? Yeah, well, the, then uh, uh, Candy, she comes in and says, yeah, you know, he said it. And shutting it down right there is just really funny. The, the second presidential. Oh, the second presidential debate, I think Obama Smote? barely won. I thought he did pretty damn good. Um, Much better than the first. And Biden whipping. Well, Biden, 
I'm saying that's what Biden 2016. It's basically <laughs> whipped his junk out and beat Ryan. Up with it. I mean, it was yeah. Ryan, I, that was just ridiculous. I think the proper term's a mushroom stamp. Yeah, <laughs> right on the forehead. And and Ryan, for as awesome as a public speaker as he is, really Holy should shit. have done better. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm really talking pirate hat. <laughs> yeah, I've got a pirate hat. All right. Um, yeah, uh, Ryan really should have done better. I, I watched the first debate, and uh, did I hate everything Romney said? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, you know, how many debates have I participated in where in the middle of my debate, I could actually threaten the moderator's job? Everybody talks about Big Bird and how Big Bird was the thing, but Lehrer is an icon of PBS. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. an icon of public media. And I'm in the middle of a debate. Like, I if like I, you, in, the, but... in the middle of my debate, if I could just haul off and say, hey, yeah, you, guy who's scoring the points, you don't vote for me. I'm going to kill your job, or something like that. If I do, if or if I do, if I do get elected, I'm going to kill your if job. If you do vote for me, and I get elected, you're out of a job. The hell kind of tactic is that? I, it, it, <laughs> I mean, it it's certainly a declaration of power inside the context of the debate. Okay, as far but, as as Romney goes, for how little backbone he has demonstrated, he finally showed some balls. But he's the king of the flip-flop. I mean... He is incredibly well-tested in debates. He's been in, like, what, 9,000 of them? Sure. But he's awesome at saying what his audience wants to hear. Well, yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean... What, what did he claim in the first debate? The first debate he was saying that he wasn't going to raise... He was he was uh, not against raising the taxes on the rich. Uh, he well, said... I'll tell you in a second. He, he said that he, he was going to leave the taxes where they were at for the for the like the, the middle class <laughs> and then lower uh, like lower them for the rich yeah, yeah. like how is that and then and that it would be like essentially tax uh, a, a revenue neutral that there would, that there would be no effect on the, on the people yeah like my, my, my you don't brain explodes. you don't get rid of the mortgage deduction you don't get rid of the homeowner deduction you don't get rid of the the property tax deduction without completely fucking the middle class there's a way you could do it, though. How's that? Cut out all of the individual deductions and put in a high enough standard deduction that the middle class doesn't pay taxes or pays very little to begin with. That's the way you could pull it off. And if you can get that past Congress, <laughs> you are Jesus. I, oh, not a fucking chance in hell that it right. would actually get passed because then the fat cats that are funding Congress wouldn't, you know, at least paying for their reelection. They'd actually have to start paying taxes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right. So, shall we uh, spank on Dinesh real quick? Oh, before <laughs> we get to that, let's do the, the real quick election wrap-up. So we've talked about the okay. debates. Beyond that, I, I'm going to sum it up real quick. Mitt Romney supports whatever you believe. You can yeah. even go to a website that was linked on uh, JT Eberhardt's site where he you can just put in your positions and it gives you Romney quotes for each and every one of them. <laughs> Romney is absolutely worthless. We have at this point no idea what the hell he would do, what the hell he's even campaigning on, because he has said everything on every side of the spectrum. So your choice is between voting for a known loser like Obama or voting for the biggest, craziest unknown ever, and that's the flip flopper Mitt Romney. So vote so for you're Obama. Calling a, wait, 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 hang on here. 
You're you're calling Obama a known loser. Uh, Obama's a huge disappointment. What were you expecting from Obama? I wasn't expecting much, but I wasn't expecting a repeat of Bush. How was this a repeat of Bush? On foreign policy, on almost every single policy that anybody has given Obama crap for, it's been a continuation of Bush-era policies. He's kept Gitmo open. He's kept the torturing of, of detainees. Right. He kept Bush's timeline for pulling out of Iraq, Bush's timeline for pulling out of Afghanistan. He put troops in additional places. He's in the case of in the in the even, case of Iraq and Afghanistan, I would say that he held us to those things. Where Bush would say, Those were my dates and I may claim them and I may not. Um, the thing is, is ex- everybody expected that electing Obama was going to be like electing the Smurfs, <laughs> where like magical shit would happen if Obama was suddenly president. But the thing is, and this is the one thing that all my friends who are third party guys and who see Bush and Obama and Romney is basically same, the same. This is the thing they give me credit for, that when I voted for Obama, or when I caucused for Obama, I knew what I was getting. I was not getting a progressive. I was getting a modern, and I knew I was voting for a modern. I knew I was getting somebody who was going to not immediately pull out of Afghanistan and Iraq, but try to find a way where we could pull out of Afghanistan and Iraq mm-hmm. and not look like complete shitheads. Um... I was voting for somebody who was going to uh, avoid rendition, which we kind of got halfway. But I was, and, and here's where it falls apart. Here's where it falls apart, and where I completely give it to you is I was voting for somebody who was going to end the Patriot Act. Yeah, not and somebody fact, who's going to expand it and start killing U.S. citizens. And the fact that he hasn't been challenged on that is the biggest disappointment I have in this election cycle. Is I wish somebody out there would go, oi! Patriot Act, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, and just have Obama say something about it. I might even believe it. It's a long shot, but I might. But he just needed to be challenged on it this election cycle. Unfortunately, the guy he was up against, the way he gets elected is by being more of a military, is by having a bigger military protuberance than Obama. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's got to be in favor of the Patriot Act, in favor of torture, in favor of invading eight or fourteen or ninety more countries, and and that's the problem, and that's where you know that's where it begins to fall apart. And uh, yeah, it, I wasn't expecting him to solve all of our problems. I was expecting a centrist. Now you you faulted Nixon on on the consolidation of of executive power. I actually referenced other people faulting Nixon. Okay. Okay. Part. Yeah. Fair enough. I would if enough. I if I were faulting somebody for the consolidation of executive power, I would actually fault FBI. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he uh, consolidated power greatly. Nixon just was the final one to pull in the last couple strings. Yeah. Uh, we've been seeing really what since Clinton gradually increasing consolidation of federal power. Bush definitely expanded it greatly, but Obama's just kind of continued a little bit of it, a little more. I, I'm I'm not terribly afraid of executive power as long as the the mechanisms are still in place to put a stop to it. And by that I mean the same type of stuff that got Nixon out of power that weakened executive power. 
As long as that stays in place, it's not absolutely terrifying. It's concerning, but it's not absolutely terrifying. So, I mean, you clearly have some problems with Obama. Um, he's not great. No. But he's, he's far better than 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 Romney is. Okay. I was going to ask you are are you a, a third party guy? No, you or? started you started you stopped paying attention before I got to the point, but he's far better than than Romney. Okay. Granted. I give you that. All right. So Bill Clinton and Joe Biden in 2016. <laughs> you heard it here first. Isn't <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody on Facebook was talking about Joe Biden. Like this is this is how he runs for president in 2016. Isn't he like Yoda? Isn't he like 900 years old? He's what 68? He wouldn't be the oldest. No, he'd be older than than uh, McCain was when he ran. True, 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 true. Which is uh, older than Reagan, who was the oldest. Yeah, getting elected past 70 would be very difficult. Okay. I didn't know he was that old, but he is so well laminated. McCain had a fucking Oh, and nobody else has? No, no. I'm saying that he was beaten in a concentration camp for years. Alright, yeah. He has Dame Branch. I've heard uh, first-hand stories from somebody else that was, was in that same camp. The Hanoi Hilton. Uh, who was a junior officer who got, what, six and a half years of, of what McCain got. It, they were horribly brutal. Some of the worst torture they do actually wasn't the really painful stuff. It was when they'd make you sit in a bar stool for 30 days straight with no food, minimal water, and they'd beat you if you started to fall off of it. And they just make you sit there and stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten off topic. Um. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go back to a fun topic. Vote for, for Obama. Okay, I, I wasn't going to challenge you if you said don't vote for either of them, right? Sometimes I think that's a sound strategy, and like I said, I I was a big I was I was a big supporter of Obama in 2008, and I'm somewhat less so in 2012. Okay, let's let's be realistic here. We have the electoral college. If you live in a swing state, vote for Obama. Oh yeah. If you live anywhere else, vote for whoever your state isn't going for to try <laughs> to make your state at least appear to be a swing state. All right. Well done. Yes, agree. Try for some balance. <laughs> All right. I would, All right. Go ahead. All right. On, on to a fun topic. So, Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> I'm sure most people have heard about this wonderful human being. Uh, you might have even picked up a couple of his debates with Christopher Hitchens and others uh, in years past. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of those uh, that... What should I say? Uh, he's, he's he he loves the thought of marriage being between one man and one woman, and you know it's a it's a very Christian belief that that his is, and you can fault him for that, you know, until he's caught cheating with a woman who might herself be married, because well he is still definitely most hard, definitely uh, married himself. Um, he's been married for like 20 years to some lady named Dixie, putting that, that whole mess aside. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, went to a conference in South uh, Carolina, I think it was, just uh, just recently, and was introducing this new lady around as his fiancée back in September, whereas uh, he just filed his divorce papers on October 4th. And in California, it's like a minimum six-month wait, I think it is, to, to even get divorced. So this this lovely uh, holier than thou Christian male is uh, going around uh, wanking women that 
this woman that he was sharing in a hotel room in a conference room for, for just, yeah. Anyways, I, I, my, my verbal diary has run out. Dinesh D'Souza is a ridiculous, he, he's been, the entire time that I've known him, he's been like one of those ridiculous uh, Christian guys. Uh, is he Catholic? Is he's, he, he's Roman Catholic. He's Roman Catholic. Right, he's been, he's been uh, running a fundamentalist Christian school in his, uh, King's College. But here's the weird which thing. Which is odd to me. Is the reason he left King's College, the reason he got, he got, you know, shit game, is because uh, he was going to Christian conferences with a woman. Who was not his wife? Yeah, and Pre that's previous to him even previous to his divorce. Yeah, yeah. Well, even applying for a divorce, right? And but he has this lovely quote. Have you seen this? No, uh, he, he did not know that Christians generally do not approve of engagements prior to be to uh, divorces being finalized. I've never been a Christian, and I knew that was bad news <laughs> among Christians. <laughs> I, I, how does that come? About? How do you not know that? He told that to Christianity Today, which is actually a big his, deal. His religion still think the Roman Roman Catholics still think divorce was a bad idea. Yeah. In the first place. <laughs> and that's what this comes down to. Is, is he was going to these Christian power conferences where, where important political people of a Christian persuasion would hang out and talk and, and figure out the civil rights they were going to take away this year. And uh, But he would go with this, this girl who is not his wife. But he'd been separated from his wife for two years. So for those of us outside of crazy town... That's okay. I, I, you know, I mean, that would be okay. Hey, would, I've been there. I would at least like to see some divorce papers in the works. No, it took me a couple of years to and get divorced. It's after not fine, but don't introduce her as your fiance. Introduce her as your girlfriend. A fiance oh, is a marriage. No, no. Here, now here's the thing. That's a is that in in modern context where we understand that. Sometimes marriages are not forever, and I mean, this isn't JT. I mean, we're not talking polygamy here. No, we're not talking polygamy here. We're talking about modern American sexuality, where if you're if you're separated from somebody, separated, where you're separated on the way towards a divorce, that's considered acceptable, unless you're a weirdo Christian guy who is advocating a return to traditional Christian values. And that's where this falls apart. You're getting the big eyes, which makes me think that I should be like agreeing with you. But you know that that's the uh, I, I, I still that's a that's a marriage term. Oh, Fiance. Okay. The the reason and like the dude. I mean, at least have your divorce papers in before okay. you're calling your fiance. I guess the reason I have big eyes right now is if if you want to judge it that way, I am just as guilty as Dinesh D'Souza. <laughs> yeah, but you're so, definitely not as popular. But no, Wesley, no, Wesley, what you're missing is in. Traditional Christian Christian marriage. What yeah. it actually means is you're married for life. Divorce is meaningless, and yeah, unless right. the your your spouse cheats on you, which getting remarried counts as adultery in that situation, you cannot get remarried. And that was the sort of thing that he advocated. Yeah. Un until it happened to him. Yeah. This lady named Denise Odie Joseph the second or ill. I think it's the second. Uh, yeah, this woman, she was a right-wing uh, atheist, or excuse me, a right-wing Christian blogger herself. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm I thought you were talking about SC Cup for a minute. <laughs> I haven't seen the 2016 movie. Have you seen, have no, you guys seen the 2016 I don't. Movie? I'm waiting until it's out of the theater. Oh, is it still in the theater? Yeah. 
Actually, it's scary, but I think it's actually up the one up the, up the road. Oh, let's go. Except I'm not giving those fuckers money. That's, uh, that's the only <laughs> reason I don't want to go. Oh, uh, supposedly, it's made $30 million. I don't know how I much totally it took, believe took to that. make. I don't know how much it took to, to make, but I'm guessing it's a whole bunch of video clips strung together. Yeah, because uh, Obama stars as himself. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, because if we're going to make a movie where we're going to like totally shit on who you are as a human being, you want to be in it? No. Yeah, all right. Can I have a cut? Yeah. It's, like, all right. it's at least, at least you know, Donate to my campaign. It's like Clinton in contact. Uh, that, 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 new, that press conference he gave in contact, he wasn't talking about aliens. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Dinesh just is a big shithead. Yeah. Total douche. All right. All right, we now have Probably Gay by Katie Goodman and Broad Comedy. You can find out more about Katie and the band at www.katiegoodman.com. So here is Probably Gay. There's a word called homophobic. Homophobic. But confusion as to how it's used. It doesn't mean gay for scary like they portray on Fox News it doesn't mean you should be scared don't be scared they're gonna destroy your way of life and it doesn't mean that if they get married 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 ruins your relationship with your wife what's the phobic part
Secretary General was rumored to sleep with a male attaché. And a Washington state representative allegedly hired a gigolo for a lay. And a California congressman was accused of giving his boyfriend a fat salary. And an Indiana state representative answered a gay ad for a sugar dad day. And a mayor of Spokane was having sex with guys that were underage. And do we even need to mention Fotap and Larry Craig? What do all these guys have in common, you say? Well, they're all politicians whose legislation was anti-gay, anti-gay. They say they're anti-gay, but they're really probably gay. You're letting everyone know you're gay. Here's the moral. If you need to show the world how fiercely you're gay opposed, then you're probably better off just keeping your homophobic mouth closed. Don't be hating the gays. Why don't you just go ahead and be gay? Some of our best friends are gay. Everyone knows you're probably gay. So that was Probably Gay by Katie Goodman and Broad Comedy. Again, you can find them online at www.katiegoodman.com, on YouTube and a bunch of other places. And uh, actually looks like we might be having Katie herself on the show here in a while. So we have, of course, have Sam here with us, who you've heard throughout the entire thing. And he's actually recording with Wesley on location at a bar, in case you haven't picked that up already. And hopefully you're not hearing that like I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sam is on, uh, he's one of the, the hosts and producers of Ask an Atheist. So Sam, why don't you talk to us about that a little bit? Uh, Ask an Atheist is a radio show on KLAY 1180 AM Tacoma. Uh, and we also podcast online at askanatheist.tv. Uh, the, the show is about atheism, skepticism, and the separation of church and state. And um, Hey, those are all topics I like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that we do on the show is we tend to avoid what, like, one of the re- I think one of the reasons why I really got into your political discussions is we actually tend to avoid those on the show. We want to specifically stick to the religion arguments and stuff like that. Uh, partially because we were kind of limited what we could talk about in the show. We have an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually have, and I can I can say it this way because I, I do the post-production, we have 56 minutes and 50 seconds to talk about <laughs> whatever it is we're going to talk about. Wow. And, um, and that includes commercials. So, but uh, we started out on Scan which is a public access uh, television network um, in Seattle. And then after about six months there, uh, they closed down because other than us, it was mostly religious programming, uh, hardcore pornography, and conspiracy theories. Aside from the pornography, sounds like a a little bit, yeah. But it it was, you know, um, it was funded by public money. And then eventually... um, 
it was uh, they needed to cut some corners at at uh, at uh, the Seattle, you know, city of Seattle needed to save some money, and so they could either cut two or three parks, or they could get rid of the TV show where they said that um, Maria Cantwell was an alien. <laughs> And so that was an easy decision to make. And we, we were suddenly without a home, and we needed to find a new home. And uh, what we found was a radio station in Tacoma, which is where I live, that uh, was willing to lease time to anybody and was looking for material kind of like ours. So we went to it beginning of 2011, so we've been doing this for close to two years. Uh, we moved to commercial radio, and that's where we've been ever since, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. Wait. It says airs 3 p.m. Pacific. 3 p.m. Pacific time, yes. Every day? Every Sunday. Okay, every Sunday. Every Sunday. You might want to add that to your website. Oh, does it not say Sunday? It just says airs 3 p.m. Pacific on KLAY 1180 AM in Tacoma. Oh, jeez. 3 p.m. Pacific when? (laughs) Are you the webmaster as well? Yes. Yeah, you need to fix that. (laughs) Yeah. I just did a new... uh, I just wrote a new skin, so I'm not... And the thing is, I don't get a lot of feedback on, on stuff like that, so thank you for pointing that out. I was excited. Oh, man, I, I, I'd love it if people would point out stupid mistakes I make like that, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so... Uh, Ask an Atheist is mostly about atheism. We talk about stuff like that. Uh, there's a little bit of a geek contingent going on, and... Uh, the producers, the, the producers of the show, which are the people who tend to be on the most of them, are sort of the decision makers behind the show. Are myself, uh, Rebecca Friedman, and Mike Gillis. And um, uh, Becky is a language teacher. Mike is a veritable encyclopedia of comic book knowledge. And I am, I'm a technical. Uh, I I know the tech. And I don't talk about tech a lot on, a lot on the show because uh, when Mike talks about comic books, at least he has the advantage of people who are in tight clothing. Like, he gets to talk about... Uh, when he talks about people who are big in comic books, he's talking about Superman, Aquaman, Batman, stuff like that, who are relatively fit and in tight clothing. Like Christian Bale. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, I'm a computer guy. So where he gets to talk about people like Christian Bale, I have to talk about people like Richard Stallman. And uh, that's not nearly as sexy as as awesome as he may be. It's not. Yes, installment is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm not knocking the Stallman. He, he, he's slight. He's a, a bit dogmatic, but he's he's fucking ah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, a little dogmatic. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but. Uh, and that's that's kind of why I wanted to be here today is is I don't get to talk tech side of things. I mean, computers aren't sexy unless you make them sexy. <laughs> Just putting that out. There. Um. <laughs> so you guys, uh, you have a very cool podcast. Nomads. I I I just don't know what uh. So that, that's what my show is. We're an odd, eclectic kind of coagulation of topics. Yeah. Yeah, and I love it. We got somebody who works at the show by the name of Scott Leopold. He works uh, He works with, I think, Fugitive Sound Blood Center now. And he works with, but he worked with uh, uh, women, a women's health organization. But 
Uh, donating blood to charity is something that atheist organizations in the Puget Sound area have been doing for a long time. And that's been headed kind of by Scott Leopold. I mean, he's, he's, he's practically got one of the 55-gallon drum pits. Mm-hmm. I, he is... Um, I've got three gallon ones. Nah, he, yeah, he's... But I've never done it for... He, yeah, he, makes, he makes you look like an amateur. I, he, but, I mean, he does it like... Like ridiculously, something like, and like the minute he becomes eligible to donate blood, he goes donate blood, and then he also he also runs the thing where they swim the river or the lake in the winter. The polar bear swim, which he keeps wanting me to do. He's like, you should do it. it you can stay warm. You're you're kind of a fat guy. You can do that. You can totally do this. And I'm like, all right, I'm game. I'm drunk enough to agree. Yeah, let's do this. When is it? Oh, it's on Sunday. Nah, can't that, that's the, the day my show is on? No, I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the studio on Sunday. Sorry. So, I mean, that's what we do. I mean, what Ask an Atheist does is, is kind of the same thing that you guys do. I mean, we talk about stuff that we think matters to the atheism visibility movement. And, um, you know, we do interviews with people. Uh, we got one up on him, too. We got JT before You he got did. JT before we did, yeah. Really? Yeah, you got one. Yeah, but you've got something up on us. You actually have a focus. <laughs> we do? We oh. just talk about what we think is cool. Bashing religion oh. is cool, and technology is cool, and science is cool, and politics is cool. And right. That's why we just kind of go off in random directions is... Fair enough. Yeah. Um, we just don't, we lack focus. So the thing is, is I, I came into to, to doing atheist nomads. It's like I can talk about tech. So I have a lot of tech stuff that I want to talk about. <laughs> is there is there anything about ask an atheist that you guys want to know? Uh, I mean, any like serious like secret questions or it's not like we're like I mean we're not the Masons. So uh, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I sat in on an interview with you guys. That was just fun to watch the corner. But. Just all the audio stuff next to us is what I want to know about. Oh, that's, I am. That's what I, I need to learn myself because I would love to go out and do satellite. I've always wanted to do radio. I've always wanted to do radio. Uh, I have a ridiculous uh, analog technology and, and audio and sound waves and RF waves and all that stuff has always been really interesting to me. I have a. I have a really sizable uh, radio collection. I have like five console radios. I have uh, eight or ten desktop radios, all vacuum tubes. I've got a, a vacuum t- collection that that's in the, I think at this point in the five to eight thousand range. Um, well, I, I mean, on, on your profile, you, you're into ham. Oh yes, uh, November nine, Michael India India. Uh, I've been a. Uh, <laughs> I've been a ham radio operator for, well, literally for as long as I can remember, but according to the FCC, I, I got my license when I was 12. Hmm. Um, radio is something that I've been interested in my entire life, and not just being on the radio, but the concept of radio itself. I mean, let's, um, I was at Camp Quest Northwest yeah. over the summer, and I taught a radio unit, and what I told the kids is, We're going to sit down, and we're going to use the resonant power of crystals to receive secret messages from a remote location. Now, that sounds like, when it's described like that, it sounds like a psychic power. But what it really is, is using the, uh, the ability of a diode 
and the rectification abilities of a diode and, and some other parts of the circuit and stuff like that to, to build a crystal radio, which is a radio that, you know, it accepts AM signals because AM signals are really easy to do and is powered by the signals it receives to amplify, to, to basically turn the AM into an, an audio signal. And yeah, it's a little... It, just, it receives signals that allow it to power itself. It's passive RF. It's, and, and that's that's what makes RF ID work, is that it's all passive RF. Crystal radios are kind of the same technology, sort of in reverse. Um, radio has always been fascinating to me, because it was like kind of like being a wizard. I can build stuff out of bits of metal and uh, uh, batteries, and I can talk to somebody at least tens of miles away, thousands of miles away, if the, you know, if what's going on in the atmosphere cooperates. Mm -hmm. Oh, growing and, up, growing up, my dad had a, a shortwave radio that he'd had since the 60s when he was a, a missionary in Guatemala. And <clears throat> now, actually, this one might have been a little bit, he got a little bit later, but it was uh, only a, a receiver. But he turned that thing on and we'd easily pick up radio signals from uh, San Francisco. And I think on a couple occasions, we were getting stuff from somewhere out in the Pacific. Just, like just getting bounces off the atmosphere? Yep. That, that's the thing about shortwave. And uh, I don't know how old you are, but uh, shortwave was the best way to listen to stuff that maybe you weren't allowed to listen to. <laughs> Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Well, Dr. Ruth, and... She got me through a lot of... Maybe some nights. radio from communist nations. You know what I mean? Uh, Sam, is I'm, that radio... I'm 28, so... That was five when the Berlin Wall came down. Don't let him lie to you. He's All right. 40. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I got into shortwave listening... About three years before, three years before what was called the end of the Cold War, so 1988-89, about then. Um, and the thing is, is that shortwave at radio was a tool for prop tool for propaganda, not just for the Eastern Bloc nation, not just for the mm -hmm. nations, not just for the people behind the Iron Curtain, but we had Voice of America, we had you know, uh, yeah, Deutsche Welle. You have the Christian Science Monitor, which, despite the fact that they tried to heal, they tried to heal broken bones with praying hard over radio. No, no. The no. thing is, is that Christian Science, we all know about it, is I have an illness, I have a broken bone, I'm going to pray really hard and it solves it right away. Maybe small oil. On the other hand, there was the Christian Science Monitor, which was actually, which actually won Pulitzer prizes, which was considered a, a really was a good journalistic institution, even though it was run by crazy people. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, their website's awesome. For their their website's website. awesome, and once upon a time, their shortwave station was awesome. Hmm. And so that was the stuff that I listened to. But I, I, and while I was doing that, I was also uh, big in, I, I was into VHF, and I was big into uh, packet radio. Uh, and and base, what I was really into is my two loves as a kid. The two the two things that really, that really, I guess, made me what I am were radio and computers. And in ham radio, I combined those two things. 
is I could, I could tie my computer into a radio and connect to BBSs and stuff like that, except it was over the radio. I didn't even... Oh, there was, that's cool. Yeah, there were places where I didn't even have a phone. Like, this is before cell phones. We were just broke. And uh, I, I couldn't connect to BBSs, except I had a two-meter radio that I could interface with this cheap-ass parallel port adapter I got that allowed me to, to you know... What was your transfer? What do you mean? Oh, are you kidding? On two meters, it was 1,200 baht. It was not. Um, Dude, come on. That's something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, can a, you can get a text file in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all we did... All we did... Like, the thing is, is that my first introduction to TCP IP, the first time I had an IP address, it wasn't on the internet. It was over the radio. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was packet radio with IP. And then somebody told me that this thing that I was doing over the radio was also on this thing called the internet, which was like when you connected to a Teleguard BBS, but with TCP IP on a network over copper and fiber optics. I was like, are you fucking kidding? Really? <laughs> and that boys and girls, is how I got my job in the internet, was yeah. through ham radio. So. And that makes sense. Yeah. Going from ham radio to, to doing microwave, yeah. it's not that that's big of I, a stretch. That, that's yeah. what I did, is when I uh, got out of high school, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I went, I went to college, but I didn't, I didn't, like, get a degree or nothing. Um, what I studied was, was RF and, uh, was engineering stuff, but specifically radio engineering and CS. And then there was this company in uh, Illinois, you know, where I grew up, that was doing point-to-point microwave internet connections. And I was like, "Yeah, screw this shit." And and they were they the the kind of money I was making at that company was the kind of money I was going to make anyway. I got my degree, so I just went and did that. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so did up. That's more about my past than I think I've told anyone in a public forum ever. So ask me more questions, I guess. <laughs> so how did Ask an Atheist start? That's uh, interesting. I was on the board of directors of Seattle Atheists uh, in 2009 and 2010. And we were approached by uh, Mike Gillis, who's one of the other producers of Ask an Atheist thing, he wanted to do a uh, a cable access television show in the style of the atheist experience down in Austin. And uh, there were a few of us who were into it and uh, and a few of us who weren't. Um, and, and I was, uh, I guess, clearly into it. But a couple, uh, a year or so previously, I had tried to push a podcast... Um, which was not based on uh, on the atheist experience called Part of the Problem, which was sort of a which was a critique about the atheist atheism visibility movement from an atheist perspective, like what we're doing wrong, how how we're uh, how we're not reaching our community, and so Mike came to the board of directors of Seattle Atheist saying, "I want to do a public access television show," and I said, "I had tried to do a podcast but couldn't get it off the ground. Why don't we work together?" And 
uh, a few other people came in and said, yes, this sounds like the right the right idea. There was Casey Noren, who uh, has some pretty significant television production experience, uh, who was interested in the idea and, and is an expert on epistemology, which I only know how to pronounce because Casey Noren was part of Ask an Atheist. Uh, there's also Jeremy Whitman, who is a stand-up comedian, who did a comedy tour called Delivered from Dogma, which is about his experiences uh, getting away from being a fundamentalist Christian uh, into, you know, into the atheism that he is now. And so it was the four of us who got together and said, um, you know, and said, yeah, let's let's do the show that that Mike has the idea for. And we started out trying to do it under the auspices of, of Seattle atheists, but they were a little. I guess weirded out at some of the expenses involved and weirded out at the idea that they were giving some strange folks like me and Jeremy um, media exposure. So they kind of backed off a little bit. We said, no, we're forging ahead. We'll just forge ahead without Seattle Atheists. And um, and we started this... Uh, uh, this cable access show, which was a lot like like uh, the atheist experience in the early days, and um, and we did that for about six months, and then you know, as I said earlier, the the station we were on closed, and we had to find a new way to survive, and that's when we went to commercial radio, and that's where that's where sort of my like I said, my first love is radio. Uh, I've always wanted to work in radio broadcasting, and I said I. We could totally redo Ask an Atheist as a commercial radio show. Um, to be honest, though, all three of us have faces for radio. <laughs> yes. He said it, not me, but you're right. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Is I was on... We all got nicknames in the early days of Ask an Atheist based on what, uh, what people called us. Um... Uh, like Casey was uh, beer face <laughs> and uh, Paul Case who was the head of Seattle Skeptics but was also on the show he, he, you know, egg, egg man and beer face because he was bald and, and Casey had a beard um, the thing the weird thing is, is I, I wore sort of a I wore a button down that provided very little definition it was kind of puppy and something like that and, and the week after my premiere on Ask an Atheist as a television show, we got an email from somebody saying that we were very strong and very positive and we were doing the right thing by allowing uh, a, trans, a transsexual person <laughs> on Ask an Atheist. And, 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 and Sam has a lot of strength. He's a strong person to be what he is and to be on Ask an Atheist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and my re I, what the hell do you say? I, <laughs> if somebody paid to look like I do, they should get a refund, man. I'm, I mean, and and that's that's what I told. That's what I told the person who emailed me. He's like, you know what? I'm glad you're on the right side of this conversation, and I'm glad that you think that's an important thing to do. But I'm not that person. I'm sorry. I. <laughs> I, I have poor wardrobe. I have poor wardrobe choices, and my facial hair is not well picked up by the camera. I'm sorry. Um, 
and and so my nickname was the tranny, and because uh, that's what I was called, and uh, and then uh, Mike was my my portly friend, and we all have faces for radio. I mean, he's not he's not kidding. Um, and uh, you know, we never got we didn't get a lot of a positive feedback from people in email when we were on television, unless like Libby or Becky or Kate was on. Then we got. Uh, you got the women's on the show. Which, been, we've had two, what, two correction letters now? Yeah. I think it's been two. So at least we've had two pieces of, of, of any kind of reply. Yeah. So, yeah we've gotten feedback from guests. Oh, yeah. They love it. <laughs> yeah, guests like the show. JT's like, this is the, the most odd and awesomest interview he's ever had. <laughs> no, JT's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's how that went down. Um, and then the station ended. We went to radio, and I think I told you all that stuff already. Uh, but that, yeah, for a while that was my nickname because uh, I have courage to be on television. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Google Plus. Hey. All yeah. zero viewers. Oh, are we zero viewers? All right. We're still at that zero. Yeah. All right. All right. No, that's the thing. I mean, that that really is the thing. Is is our expected ratio from radio listeners to podcast downloaders is like one to is like one to one. That's really what it comes down to. It's I think it's about to start getting loud. Turn the TV on. Oh. Right, okay. So then we should probably wrap up the official portion, and then we could just BS at random after that. All right. So I got some technical things. So, Sam, thanks for joining us on uh, on episode 13 of Atheist Nomads. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And all our, to all our listeners, uh, we'll be back at you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find us online at www.atheistnomads.com. Contact us at contact at atheistnomads.com or leave us a voicemail message at 541-203-0666. You can also like us on Facebook or leave us a review on iTunes, Zoom, or wherever else you find the podcast. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomads. I just googled quantum bullshit. <laughs>